Welcome to the Punch Up Podcast. Myself, Nicholas Lay, Philip Bartlett, hello, Adam Blair. Oh, hello. And it's been many months, many moons since we last had a little conversation like this. I can't remember exactly, but we know we looked it up. Apparently, it was for Baby Driver. So not a great last podcast in terms of film topic conversation. But we're back. I don't know how long for. But how's everybody doing? Pretty good. Feeling good. And we decided to come back uh, at this point because, of course, the Oscars have just been and gone last weekend. So we thought it was only right that we come back and talk about what was a fairly less controversial year than last year from purely an Oscar point of view. It's been a pretty controversial year from the point of view of Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey and the whole Me Too movement and Time's Up movement which has been a bit of a bit of an earthquake through Hollywood, of course. And it actually seems pretty weird that the last time we did a podcast, none of that was a thing, as far as I'm aware. When did that break? Like f- autumn last year, around that time? Late summer, maybe? I think so. But yeah, now Weinstein is now no longer a thing. Spacey has disappeared. Who else is screwed? <laughs> oh, it just keeps coming. There's Brett Ratner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who no one cares about. But he yeah. ain't working again. Nope. Yeah, it's definitely got rid of some people who, uh, you know, I'm not too bothered that they've been got rid of, but... Man. It's going to keep coming too, because more and more people just, uh, more reports just keep coming out. Yeah, we had Uma Thurman recently, and uh, man, that sucked. I love Uma. But yeah, it's been a pretty eventful nine months or so since we last had a conversation, but we thought it was only right to, to get back on the Oscar train now that it's happened and have a little bit of a review of 2017. Uh, as late as it may be but we did watch this ceremony last week and I think it's only right we start with the with the best picture mm-hmm. and the winner was Shape of Water of course it was a pretty close run thing I think when uh, when that started off they had uh, three billboards was the just edging the bookies favorite I think going into it but they were pretty much neck and neck and in the end Shape of Water took it and I know Phil you you had an inkling. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think Get Out would have got it. Like you said, they gave the best director to appeal. Best director? Writer. They gave writing. Writer. Yeah. Right. Um, I, that was my choice out of the runners. I don't know. I was happy that it won. It's a weird sci-fi love fantasy movie. Not a typical Oscars contender for best picture i think there wasn't a whole lot of typical oscar films this year like the post was probably the most That's standard bad. film and that was never gonna win dunkirk also yeah call me by your name a little bit really though uh, i don't think so i mean that and dunkirk were pretty dunkirk was pretty unconventional like the the way it was portrayed i guess yeah but i think i just think like war movies in general are mm. kind of uh True. And it was more Oscar Beatty. It bit. was more of an experience 
ride movie then. That's true. Yeah. Um, there wasn't like Darkest a, Hour. It wasn't much of a period yeah, period piece as Darkest if, Hour is. If it had been an American movie about American subjects. Yeah, right. It may have been up there, I think. Because American Sniper got thrown in the other year, which is just crazy yeah <laughs> but you know uh yeah but i'm glad uh shape of water won like it w- wouldn't have been my top pick or anything but uh i'm glad it won just because yeah what phil was saying that it's a very different movie and uh guillermo always kind of struggles to get his projects off the ground and he does a lot of weird stuff so i think this is going to be a good uh like platform for him to just make whatever he wants which I'm excited about. Like, I want more weird, different Yeah, apparently stuff. he has a couple stuff that he's been trying to make for years that yeah. everyone's excited that he'll be able to fund now, hopefully. And, yeah, and you can tell that, like, his best movie's ahead of him. Like, he's just, he knows what he's doing, and he uh, never really does the same thing twice. Like, he always does this, like, weird kind of monster stuff sometimes, but it's... Uh, he's hard to dislike. It's, yeah, no, it's... Like, it, I mean, his style and stuff, you could not... Like, but in terms of yeah. as a director and his, the way he handles his craft is yeah, and it's good that people, more people will be paying attention to him. And I want to see what he does next because I really don't know. Yeah, I agree, and I'm happy that he won because the film itself was pretty unique. It didn't blow me away. But it was thought it was enjoyable. You know, I liked it. It looked great. Uh, you know, I thought it was good performances. It was very well executed. That's what I'd say. Like, yeah, the story didn't blow me away either, but it's. Like all the pieces were very well put together, I thought. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think it worked out pretty well in the end, and it was all everything about it was taken individually was great. I lost money because I had it. I had money on three billboards, like a substantial amount, so that annoyed me. But uh, yeah, I think I think you're right as well that whatever his next few projects are, they should be pretty big. It always fascinates me that you know how could he not get projects off the ground? Like it's. He struggles to get money because they're always weird. Yeah, I know. It's it's a hard sell. Like, I mean, like, yeah. Even, like, thinking about the premise of this movie, like, how many studios would be like, yeah, no. Like, <laughs> yeah. Here's maybe $10 million or something. <laughs> and what was the budget? It was pretty low, wasn't it? I think it? it was, like, 30 to 60 or something. It wasn't, still wasn't a lot. It wasn't a lot. No, for a modern-day, quote-unquote, blockbuster. And for what they did with that money is quite impressive. Like, yeah. the sets they did have, while there was few, were super well put together special effects was well done mm. and what was his was his last film what crimson was, yeah i didn't like that i didn't see it it was just such a i mean his few films in between kind of you know the last couple of years have been kind of bland there's a featurette about one of the demon or ghosts that looked cool but then i asked you i was like was the movie good and you're like no well what what annoyed me about it is that they went through all the effort to create great special effects using practical models and uh, and sets and everything else and but then it looked like it was cgi in the in the final cut so i was like oh but kind of totally defeated the object of it whereas this time around in shape of water the creature looked great yeah because that was a suit yeah yeah but everything flowed really nicely uh, i thought sally hawkins was great and she had a pretty good year. Uh, what was the other film we were talking about it that she was in? Marty. Marty, yeah. If anyone hasn't seen Marty and you like deep emotional relationship movies with Mr. Hawk co-starring, then I'd definitely give that a watch. Especially uh, Canadians, as it's set out in Nova Scotia, I believe. Yeah, yeah, good flick. So she, uh, I think they, they would do, because I don't think you can be nominated for two films in the same category. So best actress. So they no. would, yeah, I think her... I don't know how it works, but obviously producers from films put oh, I don't know they, that. they put people forward for different 
awards and I think they were debating whether to have her which film but Shape of Water it was clearly going to be the the choice when Mm -hmm. it came down to it because far more people saw it but she did not win and I suppose that moves us quite nicely into the best actress category and this was only ever going to go one way I think for old Francis and she was the clear favourite and I think won at a canter do they release vote counts for the Oscars? no I don't think they do that'd be cool though I wish they did Maybe, that would be interesting. Maybe like five years after when no one can say anything and no one cares anymore. So I'm sure like, not every... Does every member actually vote? All 7,000 of them? Oh, I have no idea. Because I know they Good don't question. all watch them all. Yeah. There's a lot of controversy <laughs> about that. Yeah, it's a deeply... Flu- you know, especially like the crusty 80-year-old white dudes. They're not watching any of them. No. <laughs> they're just like, okay. The like, prestige what, movie is the only ones they're going to watch. Yeah, like what have I been told to watch this year? Like They'll watch The Post. Right. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, Stephen, cool. And that'll be it. And I think they are trying to make that more diverse, right? The whole, right. the academy membership and everything else. And so, yeah. But, um, but yeah, Francis McDermott, obviously, uh, for three billboards, was a pretty good performance. I, I, I wasn't complaining about that category. I'm glad she won. Yeah, I, um, I think she's great It was the well. best. It was the best part about the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I really enjoyed the movie anyway, though, three billboards. Like, it, but when I saw it, this was the thing this year. It was kind of a... It's one of those kind of flat Oscar years where you, you go and see a bunch of movies, but not you don't sit there watching them thinking, man, this is going to like clean up at the Oscars. I didn't mm-hmm. really think that about any of them. No, me either. It was just parts of it where mm. I was saying, uh, like the same thing with uh, Shape of Water, it's the set design and special effects, like that stood out for me for that movie or uh, Francis for Three Billboards. It was like, clearly this is the best part about this movie. Not necessarily it was my favorite movie, but it stood out. Of being like, I this is one of the best performances I've seen this year. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, shout out to uh, I think Margot Robbie was pretty good in Itonia. Itonia was, I think it got, I think it got a little over recognized. Yeah, <laughs> in the, I can see why. Um, enjoyable. Did you see it, Adam? I didn't see it. No, I want to though, mostly for Alison Jenny. I really yeah, like her. she's great. And she's awesome. She thoroughly deserved her best supporting actress win which again was pretty much in the bag but mm-hmm. kind of bad for laurie metcalf because when i saw lady bird I was, oh my god i was like man this is like wrapped up that's who i had for that because mm. that was again like not a big role but it, holy crap it was way too real way too real <laughs> and i thought that was a more difficult role to yes. fill because because it actually is a realistic like yeah allison allison janey's role but it's it's like be a bitch for half an hour. She's JK. She's a female JK Simmons. Yeah, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that's easy to do or that I have any idea. But I thought Laurie Metcalf's was a lot more subtle, which is the way the film is. And I feel yeah, Laurie Metcalf's role could have been more. Uh, it could have been done in a more campy role because there are a lot of scenes where it's like borderline, like dark comedy or something. Uh, but she just did in like such a huge, powerful way, which gave a lot of weight to. Uh, that film yeah agreed and lady bird is easily one of my favorite films of the year and we'll we'll have our we're going to do our top fives in a little bit uh to catch up on those but yeah lady bird i think was inevitably going to get nominated for a lot of stuff but not win anything and i i thought it i still think it should have won for best original screenplay same i was going to say the exact same thing Uh, yeah i mean i didn't mind get out um i i think they wanted to give it an award yes so but i i don't really begrudge jordan peele like i think it's a great achievement 
to be honest. And I think the fact that it was nominated for Best Picture at all is a pretty big step forward in not only black cinema, but also genre cinema. Because mm-hmm. when you get a horror film up for Best Same. Picture, like, I'd, it's or every year it comes up in conversation, you know, people are like, well, you know, that's not getting nominated. And they're right. And this came out in January 2017. They weren't even thinking about awards season, which is great. It's like an underdog story. So I'm really happy that it got some recognition. Although apparently they want to make a sequel. Oh, no. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, let him do what he wants next, which I'm sure this will grant him to do. Yeah. And same with uh, Daniel K, who, who who was saying, always looks he always looks angry at, at award ceremonies. Like, he's, he's like a British dude. I always get the idea that he's just like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Globes was worse, man. He was... He was not a happy man at the Globes. Discontent. I didn't watch. He looked a little better at the Oscars, especially when Peel picked up his award. Uh, that was good to see. But yeah, shout out to Daniel. <laughs> and uh, yeah, again, he's he's going to do some big things, man. Like, I hope so. Him and John Baega are just smashing it at the moment uh, mm-hmm. in Hollywood. So um, yeah, there's, uh, there's a couple of no doubt big roles coming up for them. Another completely no brainer category from the point of view of the critics was Gary Holdman for best actor, which I think shouldn't have been as cut and dry as it was. Um, I really like Gary Holdman and I'm really happy he's won an Oscar, but this was some scenery chewing. Do you think it was like a career Oscar rather than a performance Oscar? I I think it was partly a career Oscar. Um, Mainly because like, I mean, the thing is if Daniel Day Lewis hadn't already won three Oscars, I think it would have been a lot, lot closer. Let's put it that way. I didn't uh, see either film, so I can't uh, speak to that. Imagine if Daniel Day-Lewis in Phantom Thread had never won an Oscar and it was up between two of them for career Oscars. Right. That would have been pretty insane. That might have split the vote even yeah. and had someone else sneak in. But uh, I think... <laughs> they nominated Denzel again. Like, has anyone seen Roman J. Israel? I did not know it existed until you brought it up. <laughs> I do remember watching the trailer for it. It looks interesting. Um, I think it's a civil rights movie. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't hear anyone really talking about it or about his performance. And I don't actually remember seeing him at the awards. Remember any shots of Denzel? Uh, I want to say yes. Yeah. Uh, Pretty sure I saw him. He's usually he would have had to have been there. Yeah. Just in case. <laughs> uh, best director obviously went to Guillermo. Yep. Um, Nolan was kind of the favorite early on, I think, when Dunkirk first came out, which isn't surprising because it came out in summer of last year. Uh, I think that was a strong category, actually. Right. I think for me, there was a majority of the nominees. I wouldn't have been bothered if they won because there was so many like strong uh, directors and especially like um, even Greta Gerwig, like for a first film to be nominated. And it was a very beautiful film, too. Like it's just cool to see uh just yeah yeah i mean all the oscar movies i think are back out in theaters right now all the major all the major nominees are still kind of floating around so if you have a chance mm-hmm. to go and catch some of them this is the time to do so but yeah greta Gerwig. i mean there was a lot of internet buzz about the fact that she was a woman and that's why she was nominated and no it's, it's uh, ex- excellent yeah. directed film just bizarre comments really because people thought that because people saw that she wasn't nominated for the globes so that's why they, she was nominated for the oscars but i think it's the other way around i think she was snubbed at the globes which was bullshit because yeah. they shoehorned spielberg in for the post yeah which is a it's a very kind of nice spielberg-esque there's some really nice scenes in it but they mainly involve no human interaction like 
there's a huge there's a great printing press scene near the end of the film where you see how they all work and oh. you know all that kind of stuff from from the 70s and it's cool like it's you can tell they built the original stuff and used oh. it all and everything and that's that's pretty neat so but yeah the i think paul thomas anderson as well like i i Paul Thomas Anderson has made now, I think, what, nine, seven, eight, nine movies? I don't know how many exactly, but I struggle to think of a bad film that he's made or even like a below average film. And yeah. it's pretty remarkable, really. He, I'm not a huge fan of The Master, but there's no denying it's a pretty good flick. That's like a weird, conflicted thing I have with him because I know he, like, every one of his movies is so beautifully shot and like very well edited, but it's usually the subject matter that turns me off. Mm. Which is weird. So, like, I like a lot of his earlier stuff. Like, Boogie Nights is, like, one of my favorite movies. I could rewatch that so many times. Like, it's so, so well executed, top to bottom. But then a lot more of the... Because, like, a lot more of his uh, films now are more character studies. Yeah. Which just doesn't appeal to me. It's just a personal thing. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I think he pretty much started going that way with Magnolia. Which right. Is, which is a- which I do like. And that was, I could tell that was a tipping point for yeah. him. Yeah, I think he wrote that role for Cruz, which is a huge Oscar snub still. Right, yeah, totally. Um, he wrote that role specifically for Cruz, and I think that's when he started doing that. Because Boogie Nights is like, yeah, it's... Uh, oh, amazing. It's a thrill fest, and it's a great movie. Um, but interestingly about Phantom Thread is that it didn't get nominated for Best Cinematography because they didn't have a cinematographer. Well, so it was him, him technically, yeah. I guess. It was technically him, and then he, he credited like five other guys you yeah. know, who were supporting him on it, but he didn't want to nominate himself for it which is weird because i actually i mean i can see i can totally see why he didn't do it but if he had i wonder if he would have given the deke a run for his money maybe he stepped aside for the is deke. it that <laughs> I, I haven't seen phantom thread is it that well it's, it's really nice shot? Yeah, okay. it's so well shot yeah considering um like it's it's one of those beautiful period pieces where everything pops out oh. but remains subtle <laughs> it's, okay. you know what i mean it's kind of a hard way of describing it what did you it's like a mix of there's some tarantino in there I say that a lot because of the food scenes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Such good food scenes in this movie. <laughs> it's like my favorite part yeah. of it. Someone just spreading jam on a. And the way on it's a, the sound design of it. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, but you know, for cinematography, I think he's using classic lenses, and they shot on location. Also, they did, which apparently was really hard. Yeah, because there's people me. living everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, it's a tight-knit area that they were shooting in. But, yeah, I mean, obviously the Deke did finally get his Oscar at the 16th attempt, I think. Right. He was too short of uh, of the record of nominations without a win, which I think is 18. I'm not, oh, sure. Wow. I'm not sure who that's for, but, man, that's that's going to suck. That's rough. <laughs> yeah. That's like a the lot. nicest guy, too. Yeah, yeah. And he, he, he did a good speech, and he still has great hair. <laughs> everything about the guy is just glorious i thought so. of keith richards as soon as he started speaking i was yeah. like what he just sounds like some old rock star like yeah i'm over this <laughs> yeah it's very humble it's good though and the good thing was as well is that it didn't feel like a like a career win it felt, no it this felt, is one of his best projects he's yeah. worked mm-hmm. on and obviously the the project in question is blade runner 2049 um which didn't get a whole lot of um I mean, but Denny didn't get a director. Yeah, and even I mean, when you look at the when you look at the best picture list, right, you could probably pull one of those out and slot Blade Runner in. Yeah, it's just a sci-fi thing. It's the same thing what you were saying about genre movies mm-hmm. that are hard to get nominated. They already got shape in there, so yeah. And then, but which is good about the Oscars in general. There's like a lot of That's genre true. genre films that get nominated. So I wasn't too 
miffed about that. Yeah, and at the same time, the story in Blade Runner two forty two zero four nine didn't blow me away. No, so you know, it did look great though. Yeah. Any other major categories? Best supporting actor was another one that was, I think, closer than some others, but. Uh, Sam Rockwell just absolutely slayed every award ceremony yeah. out of nowhere because this was Willem Dafoe's Oscar. This was it was nailed up, and uh, in the end, I think he got nowhere near it, unfortunately. And he's a he's a good guy. I'm sure he I'm sure he took it on the chin, but I think mainly because Florida Project got not really much other recognition, mm-hmm. whereas Three Billboards was being nominated for any and everything. So I can see why Sam Rockwell got it. I feel like Defoe still has a lot to give. Oh, I hope yeah. so. And he, he's a great actor. And he's, I love how he picks the weirdest shit too. Yeah, like it's just you could tell he's having fun with it, even when he's like a maniacal whatever. Yeah, and I honestly think Woody Harrison should have had a bigger yeah. chance at this. Absolutely, I thought he was great. <laughs> I think he was it, my favorite part of that movie. Yeah, I think it's just because he wasn't in it as often. That's my guess. Role wasn't as prominent. Yeah, that's he, what I mean. And he does same as Lady Bird the mother right Mm, yeah that's true and then yeah we talked about writing a little bit get out of course did win for best original screenplay the big sick got a nomination which is cool right i'm very excited about that for me i really wish uh that would have won or ladybird just because it was both were so uh like pacing wise dialogue wise and it was just uh those are both very real Mm. uh scripts which I, think, I really really liked. I think Get Out as a concept and as a story was a great idea and more interesting. But mm-hmm. I think if you're taking it purely on what's on the page, I would say it's behind those two. I'd say it's behind a few of them. Yeah. <laughs> if I if I'm being completely for that honest. specifically, I think I would like Big Sick because I think more people should see that movie. Yeah, I'm. I mean, it did, did pretty well, didn't it? I don't know. I think so. I think it did. It was well reviewed, and I really liked it. It was it was better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, much funnier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, because it could have been, it could have been bad. <laughs> yeah, you can, you see the like uh, the rom com version of that movie. It's interesting. Yeah, they didn't take any chances, and yeah, no, it's save. just uh, much more raw. Yeah, Call Me by Your Name winning best adapted screenplay doesn't really surprise me. Um, not the strongest category that that one has had in recent years. Uh, I mean, Logan was in there, which was strange. I mean. Screenplay is not really the thing I would have picked out of it. Right, same. <laughs> Final 20 minutes as well is like, yeah, you, you need to wrap it up now yeah. a little bit. Um, Molly's Game was good. You can't not nominate Sorkin. Yeah. Mudbound was a film I watched a couple of weeks before the Oscars that was definitely better than I thought it was going to be. And I would recommend everyone watch because it's on Netflix and who doesn't have Netflix these days. That's the kind of Netflix film I don't mind, the ones that are actually made for Netflix, but treated properly you know with all the cinematic aspects you'd expect from a theater release and it shows because it got a cinematography nod as well which is uh, i think she's the was she, was she the first woman ever to be nominated for cinematography that's correct and i'm, I'm gonna find her name because i don't want to just call her that woman rachel morrison so yeah and that was deserved as well i thought that it looked great and that's kind of i was going to come back to the whole Netflix aspects, um, we'll come back to that a little bit later of just the reason that films are being thrown onto Netflix now. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a difference. There's movies that are made for Netflix, and there's movies that studios think aren't going to make any money in theaters. And, and they buy them. And dump on Netflix, yeah, which is a, a kind of weird system that we're now in, and we're going to have to put up with it, I think. 
Uh, was there anything else? Best original score. I mean, I, I, I think Johnny Greenwood should have got it, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, I did listen to it after you guys, because I haven't seen the movie, but I did listen to the uh, score afterwards. Obviously, it's not the same as watching it with the movie, mm-hmm. but it is uh, very cool. Like, it's uh, very well done. But I honestly really did like uh, is it Desplat that, uh, yeah. for Shape of Water. That was really very well done. It's just like, it. I like themes and which they do build into that movie, which gave it a real specific vibe, especially with the time frame. and Agreed. And for sci-fi. The sci-fi. Themes, you need that. Yeah, themes are vital. Those, yeah. those little overtures. And yeah. The, yeah it, and it's it, just something that's been missing well. in movies lately, I think. True. I mean, there was Star Wars. John Williams. But I mean, it's just... <laughs> he didn't yeah. care. No. <laughs> like, obviously that score was cool, but it's just kind of... It was Star Wars. Redoing dude. the themes of we've all heard before. I couldn't pick out a no. new piece from it. No. So, which is unfortunate, but there you go. Anything else? Uh, Coco obviously was going to clean up with best animated film, and it did. Yeah. And if anyone hasn't seen that, I would recommend it. I actually really liked it. Um, I think that covers off all the major stuff. Let's see. Let's see. Phantom Thread did get an Oscar for costume design, which I thought was thoroughly deserved, considering it was up against a lot of blatant costume design mm. nominations like shape of water and beauty and the beast and darkest hour uh i thought phantom thread thoroughly deserved that especially as it is literally about dressmaking <laughs> so right and apparently uh daniel day lewis did learn how to make an entire dress, dress. by hand <laughs> of course he did yeah and, and not just a dress like one of those super complicated 1950s yeah the ones that he's yeah. making in the movie yeah and the guy is just an absolute hero <laughs> and apparently has now retired again I, I don't buy it no i don't buy it either i think that means i'm gonna take three years off and, and chill out and no that's a, that's like miyazaki retiring yeah. like you can't he'll work till he's dead and come back and win a fourth oscar and just going back quickly to score i think it's only right we have a, a little bit of a shout out to the late mr johan johansson absolutely who we have championed on here. Uh, I think we have. In, yeah. my, in my head, we've been championing him because he's been involved with uh, Villeneuve and other projects. What was the other film he did that we... Uh, he did... Because uh, he did Sicario, Arrival. He did... Prisoners. One of my favorite scores. I know it's not the best movie, but uh, Theory of Everything. Mm, that Even was if it. you don't want to watch the it. movie, listen to that score. It is unbelievable. Did he win an Oscar? Uh, he didn't. I don't he was know. nominated. He was nominated. I don't think he won, but oh my god, that is. Speaking of themes, it's so so good. And we were, and we, I think everyone was shocked by his passing. And there was speculation as to why he pulled out of the Blade Runner. Uh, right. Yeah. Because I don't think it was to do with an illness. We still don't know how he died. It hasn't, no, there's hasn't, no. Hasn't been released. We don't know exactly what the circumstances were. What I'm, because when he was removed from the Blade Runner production and they brought Hans Zimmer in, um, they put out an injunction against him or it was in his contract where it said you can't talk about anything to do with the film or why you were removed. Interesting. So that can't be... You think if that was... You think if he was ill, he'd just been like, I can't do this, I'm I'm leaving right. and, and they'd been, okay. It could know. be a, like him just being wanting to be personal with that, like if he does yeah. have some kind of health problems. It's maybe. fair. Or maybe maybe the sound... Just, I, I'd love to know what he recorded though. Absolutely. You know, I, I don't know if they used any of it or... I, I don't no know idea. how he couldn't have knocked that out of the park though. Like, I mean... Yeah, it's like him and Villeneuve right. and Sci-Fi Blade Runner yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he just done Arrival and... It's like a playground for him. Yeah. And he's just got that kind of like really dark mm-hmm. sound. Oh man, 
he's he's going to be missed. He was absolutely. So, he was a young guy for a for a, a composer anyway. You can work till you're. He has, he has one more movie coming out. Uh, I forgot the name of it. It's like Colin Firth, and he's doing a a, a sailing trip around the world. Like one of the first guys to do it. Mm. And I listened to the score. The movie's not even out yet, but the score is strangely, and it's amazing. Yeah, but yeah, it'll just be cool to see. Cool. And I think the last one we should talk about, and just because I think we're all happy that something didn't win, was Best Film Editing, which Baby Driver did not take home, which pleased everyone. <laughs> no. Well, a lot of people really love that film. They do. If you're listening, damn. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what we said at the time on the podcast. I can't really remember. I, think we, I don't think we were that harsh. On the, time. the movie? Yeah. Well, oh, I was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. I did not like that movie at all. Yeah, but Dunkirk took best editing, which I think was deserved. I think it's fair. Yeah. I think the way I think the way the movie was paced anyway was remarkably well done considering how little dialogue there is and, and story, you know. Right. Of which there is none. So yeah. uh but yeah, no, I think that wraps up the Oscars chat. I think it was a pretty a uh, pretty solid year anyway. And like other years, it obviously started off extremely slowly and took a little bit of time to pick up, uh, which, you know, is always the case. Films like Lady Bird come out of nowhere and they blow your mind. One film, actually, no, we'll, we'll come back to that. I was going to mention a film that kind of was completely snubbed, but we it's going to be in my top five. So should we just move straight on to the top fives? Yep. Okay, how, do, how should we do this? Five, 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 four, 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 three, 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 two, one. Cool. Go, let's do it. <laughs> Who wants to start? Adam, go for it. All right, let me pull it up. Sorry, put on the spot. All right, my number five. I don't know if it was technically released in 2017, but in America it was. Uh, Your Name. 2016, but I'll allow it. <laughs> but in America it was released here in yes. 2017. Yes, but I don't, think, I don't think for awards purposes it was 2017. But I'm not, I'm not going to nitpick because it's awesome. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. I only had access to it in yeah. <laughs> 2017. Agreed. Uh, yeah, this was... I knew nothing about this movie. As we've talked before, an anime comes up. Uh, not the biggest anime fan, but if someone... If I get a word of mouth, you got to watch this. I'll watch it. So, uh, yeah, my partner uh, recommended that I watch this movie with the biggest praise ever so it was quite hyped up and started watching it and uh seemed very cliched anime film at first gorgeous movie absolutely gorgeous but no the story took a lot of cool twists and turns and uh yeah it's just extremely well executed so well paced um i couldn't First, I only got the English version of it. I know that's like sacrilegion. Ah, uh, yeah. Did you see it at the movies? Or I uh, no, I didn't. Oh, I, okay. I rented it off uh, yeah. the PlayStation Store. Um, the only the only nitpick I have against it, I I think I was talking to you about this, Nick. Where they're in between some of the scenes, there's like pop songs or that kind of like for transition purposes, and the like English versions of it are some of the worst <laughs> pop oh, songs. They actually re-recorded it with English language? Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. And it is bad. J-pop. That's the only thing. But I mean, like, they're just cheesy pop songs. Yeah. But J-pop songs translated are not good. <laughs> I would imagine. But I mean, yeah. fair enough. Like, I mean, I, I've kind of pieced that together listening to it. Uh, but anyways, uh, I love this movie. Like, by the end of it, it just has such a huge impact. Like, it's so well done. 
and you just i can't imagine how much work and time went into this like it's just there's so much craft on the screen it's insane and i think what was unique about it and i completely agree it's what i saw it as well and it's one of my favorite movies of recent years and the fact that it wasn't a ghibli film was what stood out about it right but it is smashing commercial box office records not only in japan where it's I think now the second highest grossing film after Spirited Away, it's it's up there anyway. I think it might be first from... It might be by now. Because it, it had such a long run. Yeah, and it came out everywhere else. It's like one of the highest grossing Japanese films in China, in, mm-hmm. in most of Asia. I think it did really well overseas. It's taken like th- north of 360 million, which for an anime film is insane. So, you know, I'm really happy it did well. Great story. Yeah. looked incredible. Yeah, I saw the Japanese version. I can't remember when. It must have been when it had a little run here for like a week or so. It did. It was yeah. in a few theaters, yeah. But uh, I Unbelievable date movie too. Yeah. Man, watch that with someone. Yeah, girls, they they get teary. <laughs> they, need, they need an arm around them. <laughs> yeah, if you can sit through a Japanese language film for two hours and uh, and you're into a bit of anime. Because I love anime, so it's, it's interesting hearing your perspective of it as well. Like I don't watch it that much anymore. Like I grew up watching it yeah. a lot. Um, like, there are a few tropes in it, but I mean... It only takes about 20 minutes and you're like, okay. Like, I mean, it goes into a whole other thing that's not what you expect. And the comedy, I thought the little little comedy moments were great. Absolutely. And so well done considering they're they're like clumsy teenage moments that could be really awkward if they Mm -hmm. were done badly. (laughs) And I thought it worked out pretty well. Mm -hmm. So, but no, no, good choice. Great film. I'd recommend anyone see that. All right. Who's next? Me. Go Phil. Number five probably be shape of water okay cool so we've already talked about it and don't have much more to say yeah um, good film yeah <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah it is yeah i mean if you if you get the chance to watch it in in the theater i definitely recommend it just because of the uh the whole package i think um but yeah it's, it's a good flick for me ranking any movies comes down to a movie that i want to watch again and that's, that's how i true. determine what goes on my list, and that's one I'm picking up in a few days when it's released, so I can watch oh, it again. Soon. And that's why... Because Sorry, go ahead. All the pieces just fit really well for me. I mean, the story could have been a little better, but for the elements that it's using, I think it does it well. Yeah, it's so well executed. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Shannon is great. Yeah, always. That's like a, the perfect role for him, though. Yeah. It's not, so funny. Did, he did, must have read that script and I'm been like, like yep, rubbing his hands. That's me. <laughs> did you see where he watched the Oscars from? No. Just some like bar in like South it Florida. Badass, it's oh, it's yeah. like a Bayou bar, and there's a photo of him looking up, watching the Oscars, drinking a beer. That's too good. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't care. He's an <laughs> inevitable Oscar winner in future. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, the back to your point, Phil, about rewatchability that's why shape of water didn't make i don't think it would have even made my top 10 like even though i yeah. really like it i don't really base my top 10 on like you know what was like the best film that year it's like the favorite right personally so, so my top 10 was on my website a couple of months ago and it's always premature because i just bang one out like at the beginning of january even though i haven't seen inevitably two or three of the films yet and i reserve the right to change it and i'm changing it now <laughs> <laughs> so i'm i'm one film that I hadn't seen has entered, uh, so I'm going to push everything back up one. So number five is The Florida Project, uh, which kind of came out and got a ton of like buzz over that kind of like three-week period or a month period and then kind of disappeared again by the time the Oscars had come around, which I think killed 
Mr. Defoe's chances of his Best Supporting Actor Oscar. But man, kids are so good at acting these days. What's going on? You know, in the 90s, you watch 90s films and you're like, oh, you like shudder. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing, but this uh, this is great. And the I can't remember the chap's name who made it. Uh, I'm going to look it up right now. Sean Baker, writer-director Sean Baker. Uh, if you haven't seen The Florida Project... It's about the it's about a, a group of motels that exist kind of in the shadow of Disney World in Kissimmee, just outside Orlando, Florida. And it's about the, you know, single moms and, and poor people below the poverty line who live in these places. And Willem Dafoe is the kind of hotel or motel manager. And it's just about the kids getting up to mischief and living a really depressing life without really knowing it. And man, it's like it's like it's super dark, but really well really well put together great soundtrack really well directed because when i i remember reading about it at vif and i couldn't go because it was there was only one showing of it and i just glanced over it and it said something about a documentary and i didn't see willem defoe or anything and i thought it was actually a documentary and then i went and saw it and i was like this is not a documentary obviously so but it's it's one of those films that has you kind of heartbroken but at the same time i don't know i don't know how to describe it but it was just it was just very moving and very good and if you're looking for kind of a, you know, a, it's a it's a perfect Netflix movie as well because it doesn't need to be seen on the big screen or anything like that. Nice. But uh, yeah, I would I would certainly recommend it to everyone. Great performances by I'm going to look up her name. Uh, Brooklyn Prince is the little girl. Man, forget about it. She's fucking great. And hmm. uh, Bria Vinate Vinate murdered her name. She's the mom. She's also great. Great cast. You know. I, th- I think it's one of those films that should have got a bit more recognition than it did. I think it got a lot of critical acclaim, though, which is good. Isn't the mo- mother not an actor? Uh, well, I don't think so, no. I think it was she her just, first film, yeah. uh, as far as I'm aware, anyway. She hmm. might she might have been not a movie actor before, but she kills it as well, you know. So, it's emotional. Cool. Emotions. Number four. Number four. My number four is a ghost story. Mm-hmm. Nice. So Phil recommended this to me mm-hmm. for months, and I just didn't want to watch it because it sounded like I saw the trailer. It was like, just a guy in a ghost sheet. I'm like, this looks like the most pretentious thing. Casey Affleck. <laughs> yeah, Casey Affleck. Uh, yeah, in case anyone uh, hasn't seen it, basically uh, Casey Affleck passes away, comes back as a ghost, and it's literally like a kid's costume of two holes cut in a bed sheet, and Casey Affleck's underneath it. Um, so the first 20, 30 minutes of this movie, uh, uh, that's exactly what I thought. I'm like, this is just like most lingering scenes. It's like 10 minutes of the uh, pie. Yeah. Rooney Mar eating a pie. I was like, Jesus, what that's is this? But pie. then it just, yeah. And then I see where it's going and it, the pace picks up. The music's fantastic. Yeah. Super well edited, super well acted and very focused. Like there's no, like as much as they do have like lingering scenes it's uh like with purpose yeah Yeah, do you know what i mean like it's like it uh gets very specific of what it's trying to accomplish space and time and the really the only the main reason why this is on my list is just this is probably one of the movies from last year that i've just thought about the most after seeing it where it's like i don't know why it keeps popping back into my head it's very cool i know it's not for everyone Mm i wouldn't say it's (laughs) But it's on Netflix too now. It is on, yeah. So there were many people in the screening I was at that did not realize what kind of film it was going to be. Ma- mainly, mainly the youth 
who thought it was actually yeah. a horror movie yeah and, and it's not <laughs> no not at all it's not the least bit scary and it's there's like some funny parts to it too yeah but the, uh, the, the other ghost yeah that was great <laughs> super perfect apparently that was the director i didn't know that yeah that's cool um yeah, yeah no i like if watch 30 minutes like stick through the first 30 minutes a bit slow at the beginning but if you're not into it cool but i highly recommend it if it's on netflix cool okay um my number four is three billboards um what's the director's name uh it is martin martin mcdonough mcdonough screenwriter in bruges playwright yep seven psychopaths yep Mm -hmm. this is i guess my second favorite tim bruges just really interesting compelling characters um it's very extreme personalities and in the way they deal with i guess conflict and especially francis um you kind of think that just the way your character's written, you kind of wonder if because of the events that had taken place had led her to this place, then you find out this kind of character the entire, that's just who she is. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Um, the directing was really well done. Snubbed. Yeah. He didn't get a nomination, unfortunately. No, which is kind of weird. Yeah, and he, he looked pissed, man. He looked yeah. pissed at the at all awards ceremonies because he was sitting there because he had to because it was up the best picture every time. But yeah. um, something oh, what was I gonna say? Nah, I lost it. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I thought it was a great film. Really liked it. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, I think. I mean, I like In Bruges. I thought I, I, they're interesting to compare. In Bruges is, I think, is more subtle in a lot of ways. Um, obviously, it has a lot of very brazen moments but i think in terms of the character study it's a little bit more subtle this one was a little bit more it seems a little bigger too yeah this does and but i really like that yeah. I, I thought it was great I, I thought all the supporting cast were fantastic yeah something great about the screenplay for me was how it's hard to and you can't really anticipate where it's going that's what i really liked about it too you're <laughs> yeah it just keeps kept me guessing the entire time and yeah. that's what made it, I think, enjoyable the most. And Woody Harrelson's character. And the Dinklage. <laughs> yeah. That's what I like. like. It's a weird thing. It's like, I love this movie, but it's like the part, there's parts of it, or many parts of it that I really love, like her scenes, more than I like of the movie yeah. in, in a whole. The ending to me you know wasn't I mean? fulfilling. Right. But again. But the journey was great. Yeah. But it's like, we all know the fulfilling version of that ending would be the most predictable thing of all time. Yeah, exactly. That, Which that, I'm really glad it didn't do that. And that's the most, like, Martin McDonough ending ever. Which is great. So, yeah. Yeah, it's different. I like it. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, what are we at? Number four? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, my number four uh, would also have been three billboards. So, we can skip over that. Unless <laughs> <laughs> there's anything else you want to say. Nope. Not really. All right. Cool. <laughs> so, number three. My number three, uh, unsurprisingly, Molly's Game. Ooh. I love Sorkin. I've talked about it a million times. <laughs> I won't go too hard into that. But this is just like uh, so fast-paced. I love the quick cuts in this uh, this film. There's so much I could say about it. But it's, I felt this film was, uh, like comparing to his uh, Sorkin's past films, is like 
maybe like the club scene or the restaurant scene from social network but the entire movie where it like has that quick cutting like like they'll have like cool uh uh like a cool score with daniel pemberton again who he did an amazing job for steve jobs and did a really good job here uh and just the pace of this was just so awesome and just uh just so many scenes stuck with me like i think and especially for me there's one scene i won't go into spoilers but the have you guys both seen it mm-hmm the park bench scene at the end mm. that's like one that's probably my favorite scene of the year like that scene alone like it's just so much with big kev yeah like yeah which is just a great to see him doing that kind of stuff like chewing the scenery yeah. and just and uh-huh. there's like a subtle like power to him too in that scene which is crazy i'm glad that he's graduated to kind of like these little supporting roles with big yeah kev? Uh, Costner. Kevin Costner. <laughs> uh, There's no other Kevs. <laughs> yeah, he has a small role in it. Like she, he plays her dad. Okay. Oh, right. I've heard. I've heard this. Um. Yeah. No. But just man, Jessica Chastain and Ed, Idris Elba just like so, yelling at each other for two hours. I'm a thousand percent down for that. It's a nice little return for Idris Elba because he hasn't really done anything memorable or good right. for a while. So it was nice to see him in basically like string a bell, but good. Yeah. So <laughs> and Sorkin's first uh, direct, like directing uh, film, which uh, very well executed. Like it's not mind blowing or anything, but he can do it. So I want to see what he does next. Like yeah. obviously, writing is his forte, and I want to see him work with like super powerhouse directors yeah. like Fincher or whoever else. And he's also a playwright. Yeah. Sort oh yeah, from so, way back. Yeah. And, uh, and you, and you, a few good men. That's yeah, his. exactly. So it's it's good to see you know, that kind of transition being well represented. But... And you can see it too because. Like, how many sets would there be in this if this was a play? Four? Yeah, yeah. not many. <laughs> or ones that were very easily changed. Like right, Rooms, exactly. basically. Yeah. But Anyways, I loved it. Yeah, and it, it was an interest, it's an interesting subject matter as well. Totally. But, but I can see why he picked that kind of fast-paced, like, very Sorkin-esque kind of movie to direct first rather than going into some deep It's what he's drama. comfortable with. Yeah. But yeah, I'm also keen to see what he does next. And I'm, mm-hmm. I hope he still writes scripts for other directors, though, which I'm sure he, he will. He said that. Like, he's yeah. he's like, it was more so we couldn't find a right director for this. So I was like, I'll do it. And then, but now he's like, oh, now I can do it. But like, I'm still always going to write for other people. Yeah. Because yeah. you cool. can do both. Yeah, very true. And get paid a lot of money. <laughs> I can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Phil, number three. Number three, Wind River. Ah. Yep. Um, yeah, that's my number three. Jeremy Renner, Caitlin Olson, Taylor Sheridan. Yeah. Big T. Big T, capping his trilogy, Sicario and Hell or High Water being the first two. The American and, Dream trilogy. Yeah, the American Dream trilogy. Um, the movie itself is pretty depressing. <laughs> Thoroughly. <laughs> but for some reason, that uh, it highly it builds up to this i would say to me the whole movie is building up to this one scene and that the payoff and the execution of this confrontation is so well done intense and which absolutely defines sheridan's writing down to a t yeah like he his ability you go into it thinking something's going to happen and you kind of got an idea that it's going to be bad but it's always so much worse than you think. Yeah. <laughs> and not just like, not for the sake of it, like actually genuinely impactful. Yeah. It's, and that's in a way, I think Fincher does that well. Um, that dread. Yeah. And, 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 and it's a mis- and it's a, it's a movie about like 
murder and but it deals with um native americans and there's all these themes running throughout it that all culminate into a really horrible moment yeah and it's if anyone who hasn't seen it it's set on a uh, a native american reservation in i think wyoming the Wind River Reservation, where a young girl is murdered, and they bring in the FBI to help track down the killer. With Jeremy Renner, who's a local, what does he do? He culls predators, right? He culls like wolves and stuff. That's his job. Yeah. Did you see it, Adam? Yeah. I did not. It's a great movie, and it's actually also like Sorkin. It's a writer transitioning to direction, oh. granted on a much shorter career track. Hmm. But Sheridan, Taylor Sheridan, is just my favorite. Like, you know, writer, filmmaker, whatever you want to call it right now. He's definitely the one I've got my own ever since Sicario came out. It's actually not his first directorial feature. He made some sketchy horror movie back in the day, which is kind of weird. Because a lot of articles I read just kind of put it as his debut, but it's technically not. I have not seen said horror movie. I don't think it got much buzz or whatever or had a wide release of any kind. But what I also like about Sheridan is that it used to be an actor. And... That comes across, I think, in the way he directs his actors in this. Very personal, mm-hmm. I found. Um, and he's, even, he's always great on the round tables as well, if you ever watch the Oscar round tables. Uh, mainly because he always stands out amongst writers because he's a really suave, like, good-looking guy because he used to be an actor. And, like, the other guys are like, oh, like yeah, you know, <laughs> like every time. Yeah. But, he, but he's so grounded and a good guy. And I, I think this should have got it. Should have got a nod for writing. It should have got some got sort of recognition. And like, yeah, it's well shot. It looks great. There's some fantastic. Even the way shots he used, it, even so. the landscape, and this is in his entire trilogy. The landscape is a character mm. in each in Hell or High Water, Sicario, and yeah. Wind River. It's crucial. Plays major parts, mm-hmm. both like I suppose um, physically and theoretically. Yeah, it, and Renner is great as a lead. Holds it. He's not my favorite actor by any means, and he impressed me. Uh, he and killed, I would recommend kill, it. Kills in a lead role, man. He needs to do more lead roles. I, whenever he's in a supporting role, I don't like him. He kind of just seems like he's phoning it in. Right. The role never really seems to kind of fit because he doesn't. He, has, he doesn't have the look of a a lot of the stuff he's casting. You know, like in the Avengers and stuff. It's like that's that's terrible casting. <laughs> yeah, Mission Impossible. Yeah, it's just weird. It doesn't work. He doesn't. He doesn't have that kind of look or demeanor. Uh, so I don't know. We'll. We'll let it go, but I, I I think it's a great movie. Absolutely fantastic. You? Number three, um, Phantom Thread, which was not in my original top ten, but has shoehorned its way in, definitely, to the rest of the uh, list now. And the reason for that was because, man, it was just great. Like Paul Thomas Anderson's one of my favorite directors anyway. And this was one of those ones where when I saw the trailer, I was like, yeah, like, what is this? You know, what's going on? Is this going to be good? I don't know. And then, you know, it's Daniel Day-Lewis, of course, and pretending he's going to retire, which adds a bit of weight to it. But the whole subject matter sounded kind of weird. And I was like, okay, you know, 1950s Britain, costume designer. But then when I saw the movie, man, it's great. Really engaging, definitely a character study, but with a... With a far better story than The Master, I thought, anyway. Like, way more, way better flowing, better pacing, well-connected. The Master is choppy as hell. Like, it's weird. And That's it's, what turned me off. Yeah, and it's deliberately done like that, I think, to kind of mess with your mind a little bit. Um, but it doesn't have the powerhouse of someone like Day-Lewis. Like, Joaquin is a great actor, but Daniel Day-Lewis is he's pretty awesome. He's yeah. over. 
Hmm? He isn't even like I think the best performance in the movie. No, uh, hey, I think I think both the both the female leads in it are great. Um, what's his? Who plays his sister? She got a nomination, which I thought was a definitely deserved nomination. Did she get a nomination? Yeah, Leslie Manville as uh, Daniel Day Lewis's sister in that movie. She was great, and Vicky. It's his lover. Yeah, I can't remember her name either. But score was great. Liked everything about it. Score's outstanding. Yeah. And I would... Again, it's one of those films you can get away with watching it on TV, certainly. But what what made me like it even more was that right at the end, like Phil and I had like kind of scrambled into the movie theater late in kits here in Vancouver. And we were like, oh, like crammed in for the whole movie. But then I was absorbed by the movie, came out. And then as soon as it ended... This guy behind me, which is so typical of like kits as a as a place where people see movies, he just stood up and he went, "Well, that's the worst movie I've ever seen." <laughs> I was like, "God damn it!" <laughs> uh, like, yeah. So that that just kind of convinced me that it was good. <laughs> I mean, his. I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson isn't for everyone. No, no. granted. But like Fifth Half Cinema and Kits, people go there just to... That's like indie films in a nutshell. People go there just to dislike movies, I think. Like whenever I saw Florida (laughs) Project there, I saw Lady Bird there. Man, the amount of moaning going on from the middle class white people, middle aged middle class white people sitting around me for every movie. And I was just like, God, do you guys enjoy anything you come to see here? Do you ever look anything up beforehand? I don't think they do. I think they're just like, well, let's go to the movies. (laughs) Great film though, would recommend. Cool. So we are at two. two. Number two. We're getting serious. My number two is Lady Bird. Uh, again, I'm always a sucker for coming of age films, but this is like one of the best coming of age films that's happened in like the past decade or so. And again, uh, Greta Gerwig, the writing, directing, just unbelievable, super well paced movie and performances from Sarsha Ronan, if I'm saying that right. That's pretty good. And uh, yeah, and Laura Metcalf. Which, yeah, I didn't, yeah, yeah, I brought this up because I didn't know that was the ant from Roseanne. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it is. But, and find out afterwards. Anyways, uh, yeah, this is just like, it's, you can tell how personal this movie is. It's extremely funny, like, uh, so hilarious. It's awkward as hell, too. I thought it was really funny, man. Yeah, like, it's just like, and not, and not kind of like, and, like a very like true funny, if that makes sense. Be like ah, man, like, and I moments know. and moments that you actually. I remember that film almost scene for scene. Yeah, I could I could piece it together right now if I really had to. <laughs> yeah, it stayed with me a long time afterwards. And, and yeah, and it was good because it came out here in November, whereas in the UK it only came out like two weeks ago. So by then everyone's it's been killed by the hype. Like everyone goes into it and they're yeah. like, well, it's not that good. And I'm like, ah, it's like missing the point. When it came out here, I knew nothing about the damn thing, and yeah, it blew my mind. I didn't, know, I didn't even know who Greta Gerwig was, to be honest. Yeah. Right? So, she wrote and directed it over like six years. I think she it took her to write it. Yeah. She kept coming back to it and adding things to it, and yeah, I, I think it was great, great cast, and it also had um, Timothy. How do you say? His? Chalamet. Chalamet, who was of course nominated for best actor for Call Me by Your Name. He also plays like kind of a douchey teenager in this as well which is he's the cool teen yeah (laughs) who strangely uh i was gonna say like it's weird that he had two movies this year where he has 
or I guess a trouble where he like finishes too early and it's super awkward. Yeah. Yep. And both yep. movies that happens, it's super funny. He's also twenty two, which like he is he. Oh wow. Yeah, because he, he was older. He looks. I thought he was younger, to be honest, because he looks young. He does look. But that's um, the weird thing about. But Sasha Ronan is also like twenty three, twenty four, right? Mm-hmm. So they they got, it's one of those rare. They got away with it. You know, they they cast them as seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. Year olds, no, they but. both look young. Uh, yeah. Anyways, great movie. Highly recommend it. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think else I can say about it. I think when you get the writing, when it's written by the director and it's an amazing script, and she bangs out a great direction performance, it just means everything is so tight. Yeah. And you 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 know she was in the editing room. You know she was working like you know on all that. Her kind hands of stuff. were like, in yeah. everything. I can't wait to see what she does next. Yeah. Agreed. Similar or not, and she works closely with uh, Noah Baumbach quite often. Like, mm. she did co-writing uh, with a few of his films. Cool. So, that's a great place well, That's what shaped like, her absolutely, direct, absolutely. directorial chops. It's just from being on great, set for great, so long. Great person to learn from, from, yeah. Philip, mm. number two. Number two. It's Blade Runner. Yeah. 2049. What a beautiful movie. <laughs> um, it's... I didn't what I didn't hold the original Blade Runner dear. Anyway, I didn't see it until like two weeks before I saw this one. Big is, screen, man. Big screen. <laughs> yeah. Although I did learn about it a lot, and it was used in film school and stuff. But this movie with Vin Val Denny's don't have yeah <laughs> can say it direction his. I don't. He didn't. He didn't write it, did he? No, it was one of the original writers, right. and then a new one as well. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't have as many problems with the story. I feel like it's the the movie to me is about androids. It's not about the other stuff. It's like a weird noir movie about robots. Yeah. Um, and their existence. There's like bits of it of the movie Her by um. From what year was two thousand fourteen, mm. which was one of my, that was my favorite movie that year, and I don't. There's a lot in there that I really loved. When I left the theater, I was. What I tell you? So this is probably one of my favorite movies of the year. Yeah, Phil and I saw it together, and I came out thinking because I had to write a review for it pretty soon afterwards, and I was struggling to, like, I didn't give it five stars. I think Phil would have given it five stars. I gave it four. <laughs> but that was mainly because I thought there were enough gaps in the writing that, especially the kind of, like, the whole the villain side of it was pretty wasted, I thought, mm-hmm. overall. Yeah. I thought that it wasn't bad, but, you know, it, it got a lot better when Harrison Ford came into the movie, I thought. Yeah, and yeah. it was weird that the marketing, he wasn't supposed to be, they, like, promoted it heavily with Harrison Ford, but that's not what they wanted originally at all. They didn't even really want him in promotional stuff. I Yeah, it would have been great if they'd left him out of the trailers, to be honest. Oh, absolutely. Because it, it killed the reveal. Because mm. it's a nice reveal. You know? Oh, absolutely. But I also thought the one of my favorite scenes was just prior to the to the Vegas encounter was when Gosling's in the apartment with the AI. Right. Yeah. What's her name? That, the effects in that scene, man. Oh, the Ooh. love scene. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, amazing. That, that's one of the best scenes of last year, like, it's, hands down. It's Yeah, and that's, like, uh, similar to the three billboards where, they're, like, I mean, there are parts of this, like, as Nick was saying, there's parts that uh, could have been cut out. Like, there's a odd pacing choices in this film. 
But uh, there are scenes in the movie where it's like, this is like, I have not seen something like this, mm. like in forever or if not ever. Yeah. Like, yeah, the Vegas scene with the Elvis song oh, or whatever. Like, that's it's just like, that, that is, is just phenomenal. like genius at work on all parts. The editing, like, the sound mixing, yeah, everything. Unbelievable. Like, it was just like so powerful. And same with that love scene. Uh, and that's what's just like, this is same level, like, I like this more than Dunkirk, but it was on that same level of like this is an experience. Like you have to see this in a theater. Yeah. Mm. Like you, it like whatever engulfs you in it. It was just a cool experience to see. And it didn't do very well, I don't think. Oh, it did very poorly actually. Yeah, uh, which was obviously a huge shame. And you could see it coming though. It's a sequel, first of all, to a movie that came out in 1982, <laughs> <laughs> and so, not an easy to swallow like sequel. I mean, no. like the. Even original, it's like, that's a hard ask. Blade Runner is one of the most divisive films ever. And I, you know, it's one of those films where I, I wouldn't say to anyone that it's got like a stunning, you know, uh, like I can't really know how to describe it. Again, it's an experience. Like I went and saw it at the movie theater a year or so ago here in Vancouver. And man, is it different on the big screen than it is on the TV. It's so hard to stay engaged with it on the TV. Really? It just is. You go and see it in the movie theater, man. You saw the cinematography and everything, just and the soundtrack. Jesus, it's like a whole different level because you're kind of forced to stay engaged during that initial slow. It is slow. That's a thing, though. A lot of rain and dark alleyways. And it's know. not a short movie either. No, it's like well, it's, yeah, it's like two hours and, and a bit, right? So, mm-hmm. but oh, I agree. I thought I thought this was great, and I think it came number six for me, which is why oh, it's, just it's definitely out. my top ten, but yeah. it didn't make top five. Great movie though, and of course the Deacon shot it. Oh, and, oh my and, god! Yeah, and he won. Best cinematography, which was fully deserved. Absolutely. And the, some of the behind the scenes, uh, like visual effects and practical sets and everything are great. There's some good stuff on YouTube about that. And before like this, like there hasn't been a lot of, before, well, we have more to talk about later, but for sci-fi, there hasn't been a lot of strong things in the last like five years yeah. that yep. have been outstanding. I think Nolan kind of with Interstellar and Inception, that's kind of, and then there was... Interstellar was pretty forgettable as well, which is the issue. Yeah, and what was the... Ridley's movie, the Mission of Mars, but like that's kind of more space. That's not still not. Yeah, this yeah. is like full I mean, Arrival, kind of too. Sci-fi, but again, they're not dystopian doing super well. worlds, yeah. Yeah. and like I just One the way world. he portrays this world, I just want to be in it. Yeah, like oh, whenever yeah. I'm, that's why I don't mind the the pace for me. It doesn't bother me because just I'm soaking in everything, and I'm just it's there's like looking at a painting. There's a lot of detail there. Yeah. I'll give it a rewatch certainly, um, but yeah. Good movie. It's my number two. Number two for me is Ladybird. Nothing to add. <laughs> Great movie. Should have won the best. Uh, Should have won the best original screenplay for me. I agree a thousand percent. But um, yeah, much funnier, much deeper than you would think a coming of age teen movie should be, and deserves all the praise it gets. As does Greta Gerwig. Couldn't agree more. My number one, The Big Sick. That's just a movie that I heard a lot of praise for, but didn't look too much into it. Didn't even see the trailer. But uh, we're all fans of uh, Silicon Valley and uh, Kamel Nanjiani. So I want to see what he's doing. And apparently this was like him and his wife's because they co-wrote this like semi-true story. And they worked on it for like six years or something with like uh, Judd Apatow to help write as well. Or like he produced it. So gave him like coaching. And this movie is just so, so funny. Like, probably the hardest I laughed at any movie this year. So heartfelt. And just, like, it's just so refreshing to see such an honest and different perspective 
in this type of movie and it doesn't bullshit or like tiptoe around any of these like controversial like interactions they have in the movie like whether it's about death whether it's about like racial or familial stuff and i just like i just loved it so much everyone just and all the actors like knocked out of the park like he's just like you know someone like went through this and it sucked <laughs> it's just like i mean for them personally but i mean Ray the, Romano's great and, and yeah and uh, yeah, oh my god and uh uh holly hunter mm-hmm. great to see her again i just love her and anything and it's just it's there's like a weird like subtle power to it where it's like these people are in their shittiest times but there's still so much hilarity in it. And it's just great writing to be able to find that in true life things. And that's the kind of movie I like. I couldn't praise it more. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. Again, I watched it uh, fairly recently, I think a month or two back. Uh, But yeah, similar to Lady Bird, way funnier than it had any right to be. Um, Overall, just really well paced and came together very touchingly, I thought, as Mm -hmm. well. You know, I thought the way that they handled the ending and everything else actually was good. You know, mm-hmm. it could have been, you know... Schlockier, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I liked his whole family dynamic. You know, the, I think, Indian uh, Indian slash Pakistani Americans are getting a lot more of a boost these days, which, yeah. you know, and uh, obviously Aziz Ansari has played a part in that as well. But, you know, the, the family dynamic of that side of things is it never gets old for me. <laughs> yeah, and there's, so, like, there's such a story to tell there, too. And mm. it's just it's so interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. And coming from the UK where, you know, there's there's large Muslim populations and, uh, and Indian populations in, in my hometown. I knew people from those sorts of families, like not quite that extreme to an extent, but you kind of get an idea of it. And and obviously it's different in America and, and, and elsewhere. But it's I like the I like the fact that that side of you know, culture is getting a bit more of a, uh, a shout out in Hollywood these days. So yeah. I was and, down for that. Yeah, totally. And uh, the director is uh, Michael Showalter. I don't know if you guys have seen like uh, Wet Hot American Summer or uh, he's done a f- he's done a few movies to. Uh, I really ha- should watch Wet Hot American Summer. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Watch the original for sure. Or uh, How They Came Together, which is like super dry and dumb, but great. It's like a good take on like romantic comedies. Anyways, this guy knows comedic timing more than anything. So it's just like a perfect fit of like, he knows these, like you were saying like super well paced and like the cuts of comedic timing. in this is just like, it's so perfect. That's yeah. just why I liked it so much. Cool. Do you see it, Phil? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she had a, the, his wife had a converged shirt when it shows her like angsty photo. And I was like, nice. <laughs> But no, it was a really good movie, and uh, I like how it just, just the com- the way they intertwine comedy with such heavy kind of yeah, and that's the best thing with something super without, real and super dark, and then you can find the comedy in that. Like, man, that's such a good. And they didn't make it too sad or heavy no. either, because I'm easily emotionally manipulated with movies because I allow myself to. And I was like, oh man, this is gonna get shitty, but it yeah. didn't. It was enjoyable. Nice. Hmm. Go for it, Phil. Go. Oh, number one, Ghost Story. Yeah. That was my favorite. Um, actually, Greta said it in the end of a round or a discussion about with the directors this year. She said it best, and I really related to what she said about what her favorite movies are. And there are a lot of them are ones that, in a way, after you see it, you somehow relate to your mortality. 
which is a weird thing. And I don't think everyone always thinks of it that way because it sounds really dark. But Phil does. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. Um, um, and this like movie completely is the definition of that. Um, all And these are themes that me personally, um, you know, time and existence and death and all this stuff, this is stuff that I enjoy talking about reading about thinking about and this movie it's like a poem almost it's very poetic and the music and the directing it's very sad not sad i'm trying to think it's the way it glides over time and how it makes everything kind of meaningless but then it's somber i guess yes Mm. it's very somber and at the end of it I think it breeds a lot of really good discussion as well. Totally. And that's what. And watching it with certain people, you'll have these different conversations of what you've just experienced. Because there's ways to interpret it for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and again, like, because I know you made me, like, sorry, not make me watch it, but recommended it <laughs> huge. Where as soon as I start watching, I'm like, this is the most Phil film. Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, film. Anyways, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Nice. 100%. But I mean, uh, it's great where. And it's like it can be read as like pretension where there's such little dialogue, but then you start to realize when there is, it's very deliberate. Like that's why like they want you to pay attention when people are speaking because there's so little of it actually going on. Yeah. So when someone says something, you're like, I have to pay attention to this or I should pay attention yeah. to this. It reminds me of that monologue from Before Midnight that the late old lady gives about her husband and oh, about right. how passing we're all just passing through finds humanity and the experience and that was really beautiful and the music i really love the music in it too oh totally and it's cool how much they did with so little because there's like how many sets in this like two three and but it's uh and it's like it's good for such a small film to have i'd say like a number of like oh shit moments being like what's going on you're like oh shit <laughs> and, and just it's just great and it's not enough of that and i feel like in our and I, it's more maybe means more to me and like you guys because it's kind of like set with our time in life that's true um i feel if you're maybe a lot older you'd be like eh. <laughs> We're, yeah. they're past this they've accepted all this stuff but the way the movie's written actually from the director um just him and his wife having to sell their first house this is what kind of got those gears going and you think about it having to move on from someplace you have so many memories and the way that space and time will be how that will exist after you leave mm. it's great yeah yeah no it's an amazing movie i don't know if it's for everyone but for the people it does land with it'll land super it's hard touch you. yeah right i pretty can confidently say it's not for everyone <laughs> yeah totally it's for a very minimal audience i think but at the same time yeah uh, i thought it was good too. If, if it's not for you listen to the soundtrack it's dope <laughs> yeah he'll introduce you to some cool artists agreed and i think for the record um i think it came like number eight on my on my list mm. but it was yeah again when I, did you recommend it to me i think mm. it must have been you mm. I, don't, I don't know how else i would have found out about it it is me uh my number one baby driver <laughs> <laughs> Man, that would have thrown a spot. Boss baby. (laughs) (laughs) Double feature. Boss baby driver. Man, that would be a pretty shocking day at the theater. (laughs) 
Wind River. Ah. Yeah. So, again, we don't have to talk too much about it. We've already covered it. But, you know, I've got a lot of love for Taylor Sheridan right now. And I'm so happy that he directed this one. I think it was the most fitting one for him direct. Uh, for, for him, sorry, for him to direct. Because, A, it was the final one in the trilogy. The quote-unquote trilogy. And also because it, I think it's the one that was always going to have the least mainstream appeal. Um not to do because of who was cast in or anything like that, but I think just a subject matter. Hmm. I think it's not, I think, I don't think it's really a subject that a lot of people in America want to think about too much, no. which is a shame. Um, and it gets pushed to the forefront a little bit with things like sports teams, logos and other Jeez, stuff like yeah. that. Um, Canada as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In Canada, it's, there's not a great attitude towards uh, first nations people uh, in America. It's, I suppose there's been some improvement, but it's still not great. But not only that, on top of that, it's, you know, like the, the Wind River Reservation up in Wyoming looks like a pretty fucking bleak place. So, uh, but, you know, not just that, but I think the I think the impact of the film grew on me, uh, not only as the film went on, but afterwards, you know, when I kind of went back to it and kind of thought about it a little more and wrote my review. I'm yet to rewatch it. I've got it kind of ready to go uh, and I'm keen. I'm just waiting to pick up the Blu-ray and then I'm... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch... I'm going to rewatch all three. Uh, Sicario, Hello High Water and, and Wind River because it's been been a little while. But uh, no, there's not much else to add. I think, you know, it, it's another one of those films that... It's certainly not the best film of the year, you know, like technically or... Yeah, how, like directing was well it. done. Yeah. It, but it, it works for him as a first, I guess, it's, second feature it, because it doesn't it, demand... pretty good for Flawless... A, direction no it doesn't it, the raw attitude of it kind of works but no i think that's that's a good place to leave off i think from our from our respective lists uh, and a pretty good roundup of 2017 so we're going to take a little break when we come back we are going to talk about the first new major film of 2018 that i think a couple of us have seen which is annihilation and then we will also the uh oh knockout fuck <laughs> Also, yeah. yeah, I was supposed to say we're going to do something else first, which we are. We're going to go back to Knockout, which we haven't done in so long since. Were we still doing that in the last podcast? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I want to, I want to have Spider-Man 2 still rocking it. It's at like four <laughs> or five. I'll check it. I'll, I'll, I'll report back. Okay, so we're going to do Knockout and Annihilation, and then we're going to have a look forward to what's going on in 2018. See you in a minute. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to do another quick round of The Knockout, if anyone who isn't, is unfamiliar with this. This is where we do movie versus movie, and basically this is how we create a top 10 list of, or top whatever list, of uh, our podcast favorite movies. Where we are right now, because it's been quite a bit, so I'll do a rundown of the, our top 10 movies right now. Uh, top 10, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, 9, Braveheart, 8, Scarface, 7, Heat, 6, Halloween, 5, Monsters, Inc., 4, Spider-Man 2, which yes. we have to knock down <laughs> off this list. Never knocking it down. 3, uh, The Usual Suspects, 2, The Departed, 1, No Country for Old Men. So it's like a list of good films 
and Spider-Man 2. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, it's it's just a... Yeah, it, it needs it needs some rearranging. And it's a thing of a lot of our favorite movies haven't come up yet. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. Because, and, it, because it keeps putting Spider-Man 2 in and it. And again, the rule is we all have to have seen the movie for it to be on the list. All right. Let's do it. Let's do this. Number one. Return of the Jedi versus Air Force One. Oh, man. Air Force One. <laughs> I love Air Force One. I mean, Return of the Jedi is obviously the better film. Yeah, but... Return of the Jedi. Oh, man. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Air Force One. It's, it's the Harrison Ford. All right, it's up to Phil. It's the Harrison... Air Force One. What? Yeah, whatever. Sorry. Get off my plane. This <laughs> is why Spider-Man 2 is in the top 10. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Batman Forever versus the Fantastic Four, the 2005 version. Batman Forever. Yeah, I hate all Fantastic Four movies and stories. And come on, Jim Carrey. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Uh, Aliens, second one, uh, versus Back to the Future Part 3. Aliens. Aliens. I haven't seen Back to the Future Part 3 in a long time. Silence of the Lambs versus The Tropic Thunder. Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Sounds. Yeah, Sounds of the Lambs. I love that movie. I never actually rewatched Tropic Thunder since I saw I it have. in the movie it's theater. Good. Does it hold up? Yeah, it does, actually. It's strange. The end kind of lingers. <laughs> there's like a but... lot of... There's, I didn't expect it to. There's a lot of camp in it. I like it. Yeah. Uh, Happy Gilmore versus The Terminal. Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore, yeah. I still hate the ending of The Terminal so much. It's just such a fluff movie in general. It, it's just like... It's telling you you've wasted two hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Number okay, uh, number the Terminator, number the first one, uh, versus Lord of the Rings, the two towers. I'm saying Terminator, I've, I've got to say Terminator, yeah. Terminator, on that note, did you hear there's a Terminator 6? Yeah, and it's going to be set after two, and they're erasing the memory of the all the other ones. Linda Hamilton, don't care, <laughs> she's coming back. <laughs> we'll see. Um, the Blair Witch Project versus Psycho, the Hitchcock version. Psycho. 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 I do love Psycho. Great it's movie. a disgrace to my name. <laughs> um, Fargo versus National Treasure. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like National Treasure, but, but obviously Fargo. Okay, I was going to say. No, no. National, National Treasure is like a, it's, it's what you watch on a plane. Thanks. Yeah, fair enough. Fargo is amazing. The Ring versus Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Japanese ring? Japanese ring. ring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the ring. Fooked me up. Uh, v for Vendetta versus Cheech and Chong still smoking. <laughs> I've not seen Cheech and Chong still right. smoking, uh, unfortunately. I haven't seen it. All right. V for Vendetta versus Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Yeah. T2. 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 Thank you. Respect for V for Vendetta, though. Oh, for sure. Uh, Quantum of Solace, James Bond. Versus The Mummy Returns. Anything but Quantum The Mummy Solace. Returns. Yeah. And Mummy Returns is like a campy, nostalgic favorite. Yeah. I'm glad I hate Quantum The Quantum Solace is one of the worst movie experiences I've ever... It's, yeah, it's the worst Bond movie by a long, long way. Is that Mission- the tidal wave? Hmm? Where he surfs? No, that's no. that's Die Another Day. But that one's at least kind of funny and ridiculous. Mm. Quantum, yeah, Quantum like Solace is like, this is a serious movie and mm. it's bad. This is a good one. Mission Impossible 3 versus Scary Movie. Scary movie. One. It's three Abrams one. Yes, which with I love. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm. Yes, I love Ooh. that one. I'm saying Mission Impossible three. I love that movie. I'm I'm gonna say scary movie only because <sighs> only because I saw it like as a young kid, man, like a teenager, yeah. and it and it still holds up for yeah. me. It still holds up. I find you it really scary, scary movie. Ah oh, man, 
That's a good one, though. But three is good. Uh, Braveheart versus Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Yeah, Pulp Fiction. Braveheart's way too... It's too Hollywood, man. It is. <laughs> All the little speeches and like battle moments. Finding Nemo versus Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Why does that keep coming I up? I haven't seen Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Okay. I think that was in a previous one, but yeah. okay. <laughs> That's a good point. But whatever the other one was, probably yeah, I mean, Finding Nemo is probably going to win. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Finding Nemo versus Cube Two Hypercube. Not seen <laughs> Cube Two or no. Cube One. Didn't know that. I've seen Cube, cube one. one. It's not. Shouldn't it be Cube Squared? Ooh, that's the third one. Actually, no, I'm not even <laughs> kidding. Uh, Finding Nemo versus 2001: Space Odyssey. Oh, man i mean like nemo that's like the film geek versus the yeah, film i'd rather watch <laughs> right nemo uh, nemo. Uh, <laughs> i'm <gonna> say nemo <laughs> yeah i mean I'll, I'll throw in the token vote for 2001 but i man i do love nemo <laughs> i'm just never gonna watch that again i will go and see it at the theater one day i think wally versus castaway Ooh, they're kind of similar <laughs> yeah it's like a dude on his own for 45 minutes. I'm going to say Wally. I've seen it like quite a few times. And I, I feel like Wally's it. great. I'm going to say Wally, yeah. First, the first like 45 minutes is yeah, great. And it blew my mind. Yeah, well, first time Phil? I saw okay. It. Yeah. I like Castaway. I've only though. seen Castaway once. Yeah. It's a good movie, though. It's like popcorn. Yeah. Plain movie. It's when Tom Hanks was absolutely on top of the world. Right. Uh, ooh. Raiders of the Lost Ark versus Jurassic Park. God damn it. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to throw it out there. Raiders. I'm, I'm going to say Raiders as well, man, which is controversial. Phil, come on. Raiders is Raiders has a bigger connection to my youth, which I know most people would say is Jurassic Park. My Raiders for me is like... A, I've seen it a thousand times. It's like the... That for me is the Spielberg movie. Yeah, I'll say Raiders. Man, that's that's fucking rare. You got you got a bunch yeah. of people together, you'd never get a Raiders clean sweep against Jurassic Park. Almost okay. a sacrilege, almost. Yeah. Uh, Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. I think that's the first one. Yeah. Uh, versus Superman Returns. That's the... The Brian th- Singer one? Yeah. <laughs> Austin Powers. Austin uh, Powers. Mainly because it wasn't directed by some sort of psychotic... Pedophile. Cunt. Um, <laughs> and the next fight. <laughs> uh, Borat versus Spaceballs. I've never... Man, I've never seen Spaceballs, which is pretty which is pretty criminal for me because I really obviously should watch it. Spaceballs it's, is awesome. I've seen like 20 clips from it, obviously, in watch documentaries, it. and but I've never I think it's like an hour and a half. Just watch it. Will it hold up if I watch it? Am I going to be like... like I mean, a, you know the context of the how, like when it yeah. was made and the... I like Blazing Saddles. Yes. You know, so. Then yes. And you like Star Wars, so yes. And you yeah. like making fun of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even I'm, more so. I'm down. Borat versus Constantine. Borat. I haven't seen Constantine. Okay. Technically. Uh, Borat versus Watchmen. Borat. Ooh. I'm going to say Watchmen. I'm going to say Borat just because Watchmen is way too long and it peaks at the beginning. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, 50 First Dates versus Total Recall, the Arnold version. Tevin's Total Recall, man. What I don't think seen? I've seen 50 First Dates. Yeah. I, like, I like 50 First Dates. It's okay. Haven't seen it since... Whenever it came out. Uh, Juno versus Total Recall. Total Recall. Total Recall. Total Recall. I watched it again the other week. Man, still holds up. I love it. Yeah. 
um, Rush Hour versus the uh, Ace of Ventura when nature calls. That's the second one. If that was Pet Detective, Rush that, Rush that would that would have been a close one. But clearly I'm gonna Rush say Hour. the second one. I'm gonna say what? Nature Calls. Oh. Rush Hour doesn't do anything for me. Man, well, it's, it's another it's another creepy guy directing it. Old Brett. Yeah. <laughs> Are you both saying Rush Hour? Yeah. I'm saying Rush Hour. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, Jackie Chan. I, I can't look past that guy. Although the slinky scene in Nature Calls still makes me laugh. Uh, Finding Nemo versus No Country of Old Men. Note, No Country of Old Men is our number one right now. No Country of Old Men. I'm going to say Nemo, man. I'm going to say Nemo too, man. Yeah. <laughs> Nemo, I love Nemo. What I, a, man, it's what per- a film. Perfect script too. Mm. Uh, Armageddon versus All Dogs Go to Heaven 2. I have not seen the second the one. The second one? Yeah. What? I didn't know there was a second one. Armageddon versus The Butterfly Effect. I haven't seen the butterfly effect. Okay. D- Armageddon. Oh. Don't. Uh, Armageddon versus Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Armageddon. Uh, yeah, I'd rather watch Armageddon. <laughs> Even though they're both quite long. I fucking love Armageddon. I, I'd watch Armageddon. <laughs> Just for that. <laughs> uh, oh, that's a good one. The Matrix versus The Sixth Sense. Oh, it's, it's The Matrix for me. Sixth Sense. Oh, nice. Fuck. <laughs> the Matrix like defines that period of cinema for me. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, Matrix. <laughs> Nerds. <laughs> like when I saw that when I was like eleven, it blew my mind. I didn't. I didn't know what was going on, but I was like, man, <laughs> uh, I I'm gonna look, watch it again when I'm older. I'm gonna get it. American Pie versus Babe. <laughs> if you guys don't say babe babe <laughs> babe i love babe i love babe too yeah no i mean i Mother. love babe too uh home alone versus the incredible hulk that's the ed norton one home alone, yeah. I, I wouldn't pick any hulk movie over home alone oh taking a second to load here uh 40 old virgin versus beetlejuice oh Forty old virgin. I'd say forty old virgin. Yeah, I think Beetlejuice was just not our generation. I it's, need to rewatch it though. It's been a while. I watched it when I was like. It 14. was my generation, but I just didn't watch it until I was older, so it didn't like click with me. I don't think I, I didn't really get it when I watched it. I was like fourteen. Okay, so. we'll do we'll do a couple more. Yeah. Let's uh, do it. Mean Girls versus Austin Powers and Goldmember. Mean Girls. Mean Girls. Yeah. yeah. It's the weakest Austin. Powers. Such a great movie. Uh, Hook versus Ice Age Two. I never saw that. Man, Hook is great. Peter Pan. Hook versus Hearts War. I've never seen that. I've seen it. It's great. Is it? Would recommend it. It's yeah. the one I'm thinking of. It's like a it's like a World War Two movie. Scottish guys in Japan. We got we got a game ender here. Hook versus Twenty Eight Days Later. Oh, <laughs> that's actually a pretty good one. I don't know. I love both those movies. I've had I I love Hook too much. It's just too much of a nostalgic. It's not even good, really. <laughs> like no, the, it was destroyed by the critics when it th- came there's out. There's so much wrong with it. <laughs> Rufio, Rufio, it's so what the fuck were they thinking? Oh, there you are, Peter. Hook. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I want you to take yeah, care Hook. of everyone that's smaller than you, and I'm like, that guy is clearly bigger in the background. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's uh, settles it. There's uh, Finding Nemo is the new number one, just Ooh. to let everyone know, which I'm totally fine with. Is Spider Man Two still in the top ten? Spider Man Two is at five now. <laughs> we knocked it down. Oh, no. All right. Cool. Next, we'll come back to this and try to get Spider Man Two off the list. 
that's all it's become now. Like when that happens, we'll I guarantee we'll lose interest because it's yeah. like, oh, okay. <laughs> that's the only that's the only Nothing goal matters. Cool. Okay, we'll take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the new Alex Garland movie, Annihilation. For this next segment, uh, we're going to talk about the follow-up to Alex Garland's excellent 2015 movie, Ex Machina, which I know we all raved about at time of release and I think was on our top tens at the time. A very, very good movie that was made for like $15 million or something, which is still mind-blowing when you go back and look at it. Alex Garland, of course, a a well-known novelist. He wrote The Beach, as well as a number of other he wrote the uh, book. He didn't write the screenplay. Yes, he wrote the book, yeah. Um, and then we knew about this film, I think. we talk, I remember talking about it when we... I think we might have even been talking about Ex Machina at the time. It was a while back. And I we were looking up what he's doing next. And he was like, oh, I'm going to adapt Annihilation, which is another book which I have not read um, by Jeff Vandermeer. And I had no idea what it was about at all until the trailer came out for this movie. And the trailer was pretty weird, not going to lie. But it does star Natalie Portman and our man, the lad, Oscar Isaac. Mm. And anything that Alex Garland makes has my uh, is going to have my eye uh, and my ear because Ex Machina was fantastic. Like considering the limited budget he had, it's a great quasi-horror, thriller, drama, yeah. whatever. You, and yeah. sci-fi as well. He manages to cram a lot of genres into one film. And for a directorial debut, it was pretty good. Annihilation has come out, and this was a this was a different. This leads into a tangent that I wanted to discuss anyway. It came out in North America a couple of weeks back, so the U.S. and Canada. I think it also came out in China in theaters. Within limited about limited release. Within about a day, <laughs> they were like, "We're dumping this on Netflix in Europe immediately we're not releasing it in theaters in the uk in mainland europe anywhere else in the world because of its poor opening weekend and i think it was a pretty poor opening weekend let me have a look was it not produced by netflix no 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 it had nothing to do with it netflix. was uh all oh, so, right so basically i, th- I think it's it was paramount paramount yeah, yeah. so basically right. they wanted to sell it off but uh so netflix only purchased the rights. This is before the it was released, though. So they purchased, oh really? Yeah. So they purchased the rights for it only in uh, the UK and I think parts of Europe, mm. uh, which is the rest of the world in film. Right. Yeah. Pretty so much. that, but then again, they didn't. I think Paramount didn't want because they weren't confident in it. Obviously. No, but which which that's I, why there was such a limited release in North America. Which I do understand. It's still running right now in Vancouver, anyway. But I I did go and see it, and a, and a little side story about getting into see Annihilation. We I went with a date on a Saturday night, and was sold out. And she was like, "We're just gonna sneak into that thing," and I was like, oh, "You're the boss." So we bought tickets to Fifty Shades Freed, which was like you know a sad moment in my life. I had to give them a ticket sale and the guy the guy looked at me he was like either he thought i was gonna see it and he was just like disgusted or he knew i wasn't gonna see it and i was blatantly sneaking into something else 
but yeah, we hung around and snuck into Annihilation and uh, and got some pretty good seats in the house. And I can, first of all, I can totally see why it's not making any money. <laughs> it's it's a pretty it's a pretty uh, extreme version of what what would you call it for like sci-fi horror? I suppose horror is kind of an extreme word. Amazing. Yeah, but <laughs> it's like, sci-fi. It's like just a psychological a sci-fi. sci-fi. No, not there's not really, not really. No, I think it's, it's just a sci-fi movie. It's, to it's me. a sci-fi movie. Yeah, it's a very dark sci-fi movie with a lot of interesting themes. But to give you a quick idea of what it's about, basically, somewhere in North America in a national park somewhere, there a shimmer has appeared from outer space, and it's clearly from outer space. They show it at the beginning of the film. It's like the first shot. A shimmer appears, like a you know, glissy, yeah. leaned over forest field thing yeah exactly if you've ever done lsd that so that (laughs) appears around this lighthouse and starts working very slowly working its way outward and it's got a military connection so the public don't know about this thing oscar isaac um is uh, is in the army and he goes he's sent on a mission which natalie portman is also uh, she was in the army she's now a biochemist i think and she teaches at university and oscar isaac disappears no one knows what happens to him his well no and any team they send in yeah any team that, any back. team that goes in yeah but we don't know what happens at all right at the beginning but yeah so to give you a quick before we get it we're not going to go into spoilers but to give you a quick idea no one knows what happens when people go into the shimmer they disappear and that's it natalie portman eventually is called up because oscar oscar isaac reappears the one lad yeah <laughs> her husband in the film reappears but he doesn't know what the hell is going on the government recollects him from where he appears and they say to Natalie Portman, we've got three other women going in there who are scientists. They're not military people. They're trained in military action, but they're not military people. And they think that might make a difference because at the moment they've just sent teams of dudes in there and they've all like, you know, been laddish and done some pretty rowdy stuff. So, so they want to find out what the shimmer is, what it's about, what the hell's going on for it consumes the entire world. That's basically the crux of the film. And man, this film is brilliant. Like, what? What the hell's going on? Like, I, I can. It's, it's amazing. It's, uh, it's a sci-fi movie, and you hear the description Nick just made. There's a million other things that it, it's kind of about, but it's really hard it, to describe. To sum it all up, the movie is kind of about destruction and self-destruction of self and what and others and what leads a kind of natural drive to that like it's kind of just a human trait and human nature ties into it a lot and and evolution right as well yeah it's about cancer it's about all their disease and all these things but and it's like the world sped up and the destruction of it you know how the world is slowly dying Mm -hmm. it's like kind of encasing that in one thing it's it's very deeply thematic but in a good way and in an engaging way, which is key. And it's not too smart. Like, one of the fucking producers... That's no, one, one, that's one of the one producers of... went on record and said, we think it's too smart for the audiences. And it's maddening to think that this guy who put money into this is saying stuff like that, because I don't think it is. Well, I, I can't... Okay, I think, he's, I think he's used the incorrect terminology. He's worded it badly. I think what he means is... he. I think he's worded it in a way where he's not trying to offend the public. What he's saying is, is that 
people who go and see Marvel movies are not going to be fucking into this. Yeah. They'll you see know, the trailer of Natalie Portman shooting a gun and be like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> but like the actual concept of the film itself is not going to have mass appeal, which is fine. But stop pretending that every film has to make $400 million. The budget for this was probably like 40, 50 mil, which is a lot for, you know, considering what Alex Garland made Ex Machina for. But when you see it up on screen, there isn't much wasted. No. I mean, I'll come to the ending in a, in a moment, but this for me was i i was absolutely hooked on this like the the weird little mythical concepts they come up with with inside the shimmer where there's like cross evolution between animals and plants and humans and it's it sounds all kind of like generic sci-fi and like whatever but there's so much more to it than that there's horror elements Mm. There's a friggin' terrifying scene that's so creepy (laughs) and it's (laughs) so well directed and and it stays with you yeah I keep thinking about this movie. <laughs> it's fucked. Like, it, yeah, in a way, I don't know. I guess the, the the themes in it kind of stick with you, kind of like a ghost story. But then, like, all the sci-fi elements are really, really, I don't know. Yeah, and it's just kind of cool. It, it's It's got a bit of an arrival vibe to it in how they're approaching. Yeah. Just, just from a story element, right? In the sense that there's a lot of people on the outside looking in. And then what goes on inside is the story, really. But then most of it is what takes place in there. But the way it's developed, I think, from a character point of view, is not as vital as the overall concept, but it still works pretty well. I think I think Portman gives a good performance. Natalie Portman gets some unfair press. I think sometimes... Think so? I think a lot of people aren't huge fans of her, but I, oh. mean, I mean, obviously, she's her stuff is usually critically acclaimed, but... Obviously, since she won an Oscar, people have... Oh, I mean, I, I thought she was great in Jackie as well. But she mm. seems to kind of... I, what I like about her is that she... Who were we talking about earlier? That Like, Willem Dafoe. She'll just do a role. She'll be like, well, that's good. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Like, you know... She picks scripts well. Yeah. Uh, I, I, her agent feeds <laughs> some mm. great scripts. Yeah. But yeah. Like, I think in general... Um, like, I think she's good. I think the supporting cast is good. Um, it's a huge sci-fi movie that's led by women as well. And this... Jennifer this, Jason Lee. This was put together oh, nice. before all of this, like the big movement stuff, which I like because it doesn't make it feel yeah, not that it needs exactly. to feel forced, but it's not a response to that. Yeah, if this it just came up naturally. If it had come out like, well, I imagine in the book, right? I imagine that's the story. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's the thing. But at the same time, I imagine if it had been if it had come out a year from now, there would have been more made about that yeah. for sure. And but, none of the characters feel wasted. No, even even like the two other characters who go in with mm-hmm. they they could have been really one of one of them especially could have been really annoying yeah like, just by the way she set up as like the tough girl yeah, yeah. like you know and it would have been the exact same if it was four dudes there's always like come one kind of guy like yeah man fuck this shit up like mm. you know there's always that kind of character yeah but she but in general and, and i really like the way they go out especially the the kind of uh, the nerdy the nerdy science girl yeah. man that's kind of deep yeah. <laughs> like, but it's beautiful and it's and then and eventually, i definitely want to see it yeah it's you need to see it but, but that's the thing. <laughs> everyone needs to see this in theater and this comes back to my point about the whole netflix issue right because there's two types of netflix movies there's movies that are made for netflix that are going to be released on netflix they're not that good. and they're not actually made by netflix netflix just chucks some money at someone and then it's made like a normal movie of course and then 
but then those have been hit and miss anyway. Like Mudbound is great. There's some other ones that are good. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that one that came out recently that got slaughtered? Mute. Mute. Mute, yeah. And that's from Duncan. Yeah, And exactly. this was his like, the amazing thing is this was like his passion project from before Moon. Yeah. He mm-hmm. wanted to make that movie and yeah. he comes out with it and it did bad. But just like Cloverfield uh, 3, which wasn't yeah. supposed to come out, it was going to come out in April and it was going to be a theatrical release it just got dumped on Netflix in February because they looked at it and went, and to be fair, went, yeah, correctly, this isn't going to make any money because it, it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of see why, but this movie, I, I'm just gutted that it's getting, because like, I thought if, so, if, if I flicked onto this on a Friday night on TV, it just wouldn't have the impact unless you've got some great setup in your house. And I you- know, I still think this, this was the kind of movie that would be like a Vanilla Sky or Fight Club or something to me when I was a kid. I think it would, if I started watching this late night TV, I think it would catch me and I would just get sucked into it. But you wouldn't know what was going on. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. And then Oscar Isaac comes back and, man, he's... he's I, think, a- I think we should all just get necklaces like hers that have Oscar's <laughs> picture in it. <laughs> just because I was Oscar Isaac? Yeah. Man, if, if for some reason I was ever picked up by the police or something, they'd be like, well, <laughs> what is this? Like, I don't know. But... And yeah, that was my point about Oscar Isaac is that even even in a small role like this, and I and I watched Detroit the other day, which came out last year, which uh, was also a film got a bit of buzz with John Boyega. Man, and I, whenever I see them both in movies, I'm just like, man, these guys are so wasted in the new Star Wars films, <laughs> just because of how badly written their characters are, mm-hmm. and and you see them in real movies with talented directors. Not to say Ryan Johnson's not a talented director, but you know what I mean. Man, like they, they're great actors, both of them. Like, and Oscar Isaac, especially. Like, mm-hmm. I can't wait till he wins an Oscar because he is Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar's Oscar. Exactly. But no, no, I, I, I couldn't. And the score as well. Can we just talk about the score? Fucking score it. Adam, you, you're, you're a man who's all about the scores. Do you know, do you know who did it? That, I'm going gonna to check. That sound that. Yeah. It's, it's really creepy, but the atmosphere it creates and. The way it's not overused, I felt, is so subtle and uh, like I love that kind of score. Okay, I'm gonna look it up. Uh, while, while you're looking it up, because uh, I haven't seen this, but I did try to go see it, and uh, the opening weekend on or was the week? No, it was the weekend after, and it was this like yeah, it's the weekend after. So it was a Saturday, and then uh, uh, yeah, me and my partner were like, man, we gotta go see this, and we look up the times, and it was just like. 12 p.m. and it was like 11:30 <laughs> and I was like that's it yeah. and it was showing once yeah. on a saturday the like the next saturday after it opened I was like that's bad I was like yep. I, I, like I'm not going to push myself to, <laughs> yeah. to make it downtown for that No that's fair enough and, and and the soundtrack was by Ben Salisbury and Jeff Barrow Oh I don't know who that is who I think are both it looks like they both got a oh Ben Salisbury did Ex Machina yeah. Okay. Which makes complete sense. Yep. Um, did Barrow also do Ex Machina? Sorry, I'm just going to look up some of his credits. No, he did, yeah. Sounds like my kind of movie, so yeah. I definitely want to... So in other words, they both did uh, They both did Ex Machina, and I think Salisbury has a much longer career. He's, that... won, he's won awards. So if it's on Netflix, it should be on demand shortly too, I'd assume. It's going to be... Like it should be soon. Weeks. Hopefully it picks up an audience on Netflix, because like, I want Alex Garden to make all the movies. It's scheduled to be released in other markets in other markets on Netflix March 12th. It, no. probably, it won't be out here March 12th. No, but it's Netflix. not. It'll no. be in Europe on March 12th. They oh, haven't, okay. they haven't... I keep looking up the date because I want to watch this movie again. Yeah, I want to watch it again. And yeah. I can't find when they're releasing it in Canada. I mean, yeah, it'll it's be a while. It, it'll be the Blu-ray. 
It might even come out on Netflix here. Not immediately. Yeah. Yeah. But the I mean the ending is the last fifteen minutes is like is the you know, you can see why it's not gonna make any money and it's fucking weird. And to be honest, hard to swallow. A little I wasn't a huge fan of the last 15 minutes or so because it kind of like, you know, it didn't really do anything for me in terms of impact the way the rest of the build-up had, like in terms of a payoff. But it still looked great. And the things that are going on around the core element of the ending, I don't want to spoil it, uh, were still interesting. And uh, I'm not talking about the very, very ending. I I think Phil knows what I mean. I'm talking about like... You're talking about The Lighthouse? Yeah, I'm talking about The Lighthouse, yeah. But not... I really like The Lighthouse. Basically, between Oscar Isaac and the end is kind of, you know, with the the stuff, it's kind of weird. (laughs) So, (laughs) I I, I don't know. I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Yeah, no spoilers. No spoilers. But yeah, I mean, I'd highly recommend that everyone watch it. Um, Alex Garland, I'm still going to... I can't wait to see what he does next because he's got a great visual eye. Uh, and for a novelist to, to transfer over into this sort of direction, man, he's killing it. Amazing. So, yeah. Only good things to say. Bears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we're going to round off by looking forward to uh, what else is coming out in 2018. Welcome back to our final segment uh, for this, I don't know, this week, month, year, until we do another podcast. Yeah. But we did want to, you know, we've kind of rounded up 2017 and we did want to look forward to what's coming out in 2018. And I think we're in a pretty good place to do that. You know, as usual, there's going to be a ton of uh, Oscar Beatty type of indie flicks that will become known during the year as festival season gets going, um, especially Sundance and uh, Cannes and a few of the other ones as well. Um, and usually, though, we know we, we normally get a better idea of those kind of around late summertime. Like, I think I think it was Lady Bird this year and Hell or High Water last year. It just kind of dropped, like, like, and then that weekend, I was like, oh, that looks kind of interesting. And they were both huge. I wouldn't call Lady Bird a sleeper hit, I guess, but Hell or High Water was, but... So, we've had Annihilation already. I've heard about, um, it's in the trailer, that A Quiet Place, which I actually had titled a short of mine, but then I had changed it, and I'm happy that I changed it now that that movie's coming out. <laughs> I saw sounds- the trailer about the Emily Blunt and John Krasinski. Krasinski. Sounds really familiar. They have to be quiet. They can't talk. It's a trailer before Annihilation, and it was before another movie, too. I think before yes. Phantom Thread. Why can't they talk? What's because the- there's monsters. <laughs> oh, oh, but, but just just yes, today, yes, I've got it. Just today, it's either at With Sundance the, they, they, or South kids, by right? Southwest. Yeah, yeah. They the reviews are coming out in a paint. They're saying it's really good. Mm. So that's something I'm kind of it looks excited for. Yeah, it did look interesting. Annihilation, we've seen us two, and that's probably gonna make my top ten list. <laughs> mm. I mean, the next major one I can think of is Isle of Dogs. Right. Um, the Wes Anderson movie stop motion animation about dogs on an island set in Japan. Man, the Sold. trailer looks great. Sold. <laughs> And it's all the usual suspects, uh, plus Brian Cranston, uh, you know, which is great. You know, I think Ed Norton's back, Bill Murray. Like, if you're on board with Wes Anderson, at this point, he can't really do wrong. Also, Fantastic Mr. Fox is one of my favorites of his. Agreed, yeah. I'm a thousand percent down. And he absolutely smashed it with uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel, which is easily his most, 
widely accepted and successful movie to date. It's also very ambitious. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's big. I didn't realize how badly Mr. Fox did at the box office. Oh, I didn't know that. It did not do well. So, mm. like, I'm, I think this one will be... Th- this has been getting great reviews out of festivals, which is currently doing the rounds in, in Europe. So uh, I'm pretty sure it'll be fine. <laughs> it's out in Berlin and a couple of festivals in the UK. So the, the response has been pretty good so far but yeah if you like Wes Anderson even if you don't like Wes Anderson because I, I didn't used to be too sold on him and then over the course of a year like with Phil's help because Phil mm. <laughs> championed Phil, yeah but, to uh, watch his I, I've now watched all of his movies and I'm a fan so. I, I have a stance where I a lot of people like his older stuff way better but I think he's been getting better as yeah I agree I'm for yeah. me I think like Tenenbaums does nothing for me. Yeah, they're people it's that fine, say, but I mean, people say Bottle Rockets like their favorite. I'm like, no. why? <laughs> or what's the, what's the other one with uh, Bill Murray? Uh, a Life Aquatic. No, before that, I love that one. Rushmore. 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 Yeah, I could not. I like Rushmore. I, I do not like Rushmore. Bottle Rocket is weird, too weird. I like Rushmore more than I like Tenenbaum. To be fair, I like Tenenbaum because like the car. It's it's such a great cast, hmm. but. Gene, Rush- watching Gene Hackman. Yeah. Rushmore actually had a story <laughs> to an extent. Yeah. And I like the soundtrack. Soundtrack's amazing in Rushmore. It's all like, um, I like the it's meta- all British Invasion pop, which is great. I like the meta film stuff in Rushmore. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 like, I just like Rushmore, you know. Uh, but no, I think, I, I agree. He's, he's, he's one of those guys that's got better with scope and age and bigger budgets and, and he hasn't wasted any of that. And a lot of people still dislike him. They're like, oh, it's so quirky and like, Colorful. Which, and which like, Coppola does he is he pretty much writing with all the time now? Uh, Roman. Roman, right? Yeah, I think it's Roman, right? Because it's yeah. not it's not Sophia. No. So, and it's certainly not uh, <laughs> Francis. <laughs> That'd be great, though. Uh, so yeah, Isle of Dogs, and then in April, um, You Were Never Really Here finally comes out, and I say finally because uh, I know Phil and I have been waiting for this to come out since salivating it, where was wh- which festival did it some something last year it was can wasn't it yeah came out it like, won because uh, what it won one won best, best actor male. yeah and that was in like when's can like april may or something like it came out so long ago there but then didn't get a general release and last year johnny did the score and and strong female director yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited for it. It just kind of looks like a really gritty. It's tagged thriller. as a taxi, taxi driver, taxi driver. Oh wow, not taxi. Yeah, <laughs> crazy taxi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wha- I mean, you know, we all love Joaquin Phoenix. He's one of my favorite actors. I'm I'm really excited that he's coming back. Also comes out in April. I'm going to mention it just because John's John Hamson is Beirut. <laughs> I don't know anything des- about that. That got destroyed. Watch the trailer. I haven't read any reviews. It it's, got destroyed. It's like Beirut in like the eighties, and it's just John Hamm like being hmm, yeah, I'm a movie actor now. <laughs> no, no, it's some. He's sort of, it up. That's what he's doing. Oh Middle East. <laughs> Someone's too easy. Kid's been taken hostage, and then no, it's, has, it's like his best friend right isn't or something. Right. Like yeah, um, someone's hostage. He's part of the team that has to go in and get him. Man on fire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Avengers comes out in May. Yeah, <laughs> it's the it's part one of the two parter, which is never a good idea. It is from a financial point of view; it'll make a billion dollars. I don't doubt it. We will not be satisfied. But I, but I, because I, I love reading reactions to this from people who really care, and I know that this is massively hypocritical because there's also film franchises I really care about and get really passionate about, but then I take the piss out of other people who get really into their movie franchises. So Star Wars, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
but but when this came out there was always like heavy analysis on the internet like man like yeah did you see that like oh I'm so glad they've done this and this and I was just watching the trailer going this looks terrible <laughs> like it's just shoehorning in every character which was the whole we knew that's what it was building yeah. to but then that little like Guardians of the Galaxy moment at the end of the trailer and everything and I'm just like man there's just way too much in it like I don't know what's he, what's he called Theros so, like it just looks shit I don't know like I'm not going to see it at the theater I don't think because uh, I'm not a huge Marvel guy anyway um, I did. I liked the first Avengers I thought it was it was a lot of fun yeah the first one was fine yeah I didn't like the second one um, I just haven't watched I any forgot of them. there was a second one I haven't yeah. watched any of them I mean any of the like Marvel movies since like well uh, coincidentally man I think that's the last one I watched mm. and that was funny uh, apparently, yeah. the new, apparently, <laughs> apparently the new Thor is pretty good but I haven't watched it yet because that's Takiti yeah we can just butcher his name yeah the guy who made World of People yeah but Deadpool 2 comes out a couple of weeks later. After Which is Avengers. getting... It got pretty bad first... Uh, it doesn't surprise me. Screening pass. If there, if there was ever a franchise where <laughs> it was going to be... The first one was a bit of a fluke, it's going to be Deadpool. And yep. the, the only reason I kind of will have a vague interest is because it's shot here in Vancouver. And I remember seeing quite a lot of it as it was being filmed. But the first one was... I, I didn't mind the first one. It was kind of dumb fun. I did not like the first one. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Ryan Reynolds, to be honest. Though. No, I'm not a fan of Ryan Reynolds, I have to admit. He's one of the most cringy Hollywood actors. And he also seems to have aged about 50 years in the last five. I think he's a good actor. It's just that style of comedy just really irks me. I don't know what it is. It's too snarky. Mm. I, and I think also for Deadpool, they rely a lot on these, on a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with the movie, which is the promotional activity, which is fine. It's genius marketing. Absolutely genius. And that's the reason it'll make money. Especially as everyone will probably be riding high off Avengers when it comes out. I assume so anyway. I have no idea. But then a week later is Solo, a Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. Which Solo. I know we all have a an interest in, but oh man, I'm just not into it. This is like the first time ever a Star Wars film has come out. It's not a real Star Wars film, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, but even Rogue One, I was, I was banging to the concept of it. But this one... This didn't need to be of all the of all the characters you were going to do a backstory of. This was inevitably going to be the one that would be the most annoying, I think, apart from Boba Fett, because Boba Fett shouldn't be anywhere near as revered or as a bigger thing as he is. He's just like a good, cool side character that has. He's got a good costume. He has five lines of dialogue in the original trilogy. It's just his costume. It's a cool helmet. Yeah. In Jedi, he doesn't say anything. <laughs> And he's Apart only, from, <laughs> but he's got a jetpack. And he told Vader, and Vader scolded him. No disintegrations. <laughs> no, as you wish. And then they changed it to that Aussie accent in the DVD release to coincide with, uh, sorry, to link to Attack of the Clones. Oh, and, God. And it just sounds dreadful. Oh. You know, in the original, he's got a really cool yeah. voice. Right. And, and then he's like, you're right, mate. <laughs> the other ones, and I was like, Why? <laughs> Nine hundred dollary dudes. <laughs> it's just totally ruined. Tobias. <laughs> yeah. It kills it completely. I was like, man, I know he's a clone, which also killed his character, like as a concept. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting off track. Solo. Um who's playing solo again? Not, some no the, name guy. The guy who needed an uh, acting coach yeah. <laughs> to come to set. But, but let's just give you a quick he's, overlook. He's the guy from what is the Coen Brothers movie with Clooney and the Roman set oh. Hollywood? Hail Caesar. Hail, Hail Caesar. Caesar. So he's the waiter guy that comes in and he gets scolded about not 
pronunciating right or whatever. Uh, That's him. Cool. Okay. Okay. So That's foreshadowing I, his whole career. <laughs> yeah. There's well, just so much bad back like backstory. Is, is he thing. actually the actor that gets? Yeah, he's that guy that comes in and the guy like smack. I forget what happens, yeah, he, but he, he gets like scolded. Ray finds. Yeah, Ray finds scolds yeah, him. He plays yeah because he plays like an action western to, guy, right? Yeah. And then he, they put him in a serious in a serious scene. Yes, and, he, and he's like, "Yo, hello, ma'am," and it's like, "Nope." <laughs> yeah, that that's that's pretty funny. So it, I feel like it's foreshadowing. Because oh, I quite like him in that as well. Like, yeah. Okay, but there's that, and then the two directors, of course, are the are the Lego Movie guys. Phil Lord, Chris Miller. Yeah, who, uh, yeah, I want to say Chris Lord, which sounded right, but it's not right. <laughs> it's funny because Phil Miller is the, because they made that, uh, uh, was it Last Man with a uh, Will Forte, that TV show? Well, right. Anyways, his name is Phil Lord. I mean, no, Phil Miller, because he's <laughs> the creator of the show is Chris Lord and Phil Miller. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so, like, they combine it. So, whenever I hear the names, I'm like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I always mix it up. It's a very interchangeable set of names. Right. But, yeah, I, the, but they, were, they made 80% of the movie, 90% of the movie. Apparently, Disney were not happy with the... Tone. With the tone, which what does that mean though? Is it was too comedy? What do they expect? They hired. They have a these, very unique sense of like. I mean, like they watch Twenty One Jump Street. That's their unique style. Yeah. And same with Lego Movie. Like it's weird. And yeah. they hired. And it's very it's very adult orientated. Yes. That which I think is more the issue here because it would have been very. It would have been. I don't think Disney had an issue with it being a kind of like, uh, a gunslinging comedy, uh, bounty hunter type of thing. But what I think is the issue is that I reckon it was probably a little too. It wasn't broad enough. It was probably actually a little bit... Well, the main thing I heard is too much improv. Yeah. Which is exactly... Yeah, that, that's what they but do. But it's like, right? I think they, when they hire directors for these, they want them to do what they're told. Yeah. And then these guys are but they not hire, that. But they hire these new generation, young, up-and-coming Hollywood guys. Oh, exactly. Like, like, what the fuck are they thinking is going to happen yeah, here? But yeah. like, that got me so excited for this movie. Yeah, like, it's going to be different. Yeah, especially like... Uh, uh, Donald Glover as Lando and yeah. doing like improv where he's like comes from a background of like and he's sketch a, such a good writer yeah, too right? I'm like that would have been the funniest coolest and thing then they, ever and then they <laughs> parachuted they fired them they fired the directors they parachuted in Ron, Ron Howard, Howard. <laughs> and I, I'm not even joking right Apollo 13 is a great and I watched it a couple of weeks back because I I don't know why I had a little um, a little inkling to watch it and it's a fantastic film man like so good but in no way is Ron Howard a man in touch with modern times. Sci-fi. Or, yeah, or, or just modern audiences. He's like an old man. And I don't mean that in like a in a negative way just because he's an old man. But when was the last time Ron Howard did something relevant? Like, you know. Or anyone was excited about it's, what it's he was not, doing. It's, it's not like you're parachuting in yeah. Spielberg, no, you know. He, he's a safe pair of hands who the studio wants. very wanted. safe. He, he, knows, he knows how to do sci-fi to an extent. And they parachuted him in to finish this up. And, I yeah, and I hope in like twenty years that those two, um, Phil and Chris, write a book about what really happened. Oh, they, I'm, because I'm, sh- I'm sure they'll they'll tell someone who will write an Oscar. Any of the last, like, any of the new movies since Abrams, they have such like a weird fake. Like everything's great, everyone loves each other on set. When you watch the like behind the scenes yeah. from the prequels with George, yeah. how much of a shit show! Well, and they went here. Everyone's that. just scared they're going to get fired. Well, Red Letter Media did a thing about that, didn't they? Where they they compared the two, and well, obviously, if you ever watch the Red Letter Media reviews of the prequels, they're like 
they make, they make the prequels worth being made. But they point out that, yeah, they, they always do interviews with um, Kathy, what's her name, who's the... Kennedy. Yeah, okay, she's the Lucasfilm who's not doing CEO. Great. No, she's not. Well, she's making a shitload of money. Yeah, that's so, about it, though. But Disney, yeah, they, they always show the behind-the-scenes stuff, and it's so well choreographed and edited, where everyone's like, man, I'm sitting in an X-Wing. Like, bleh. Like, everyone loves it. And and you know that there's no nah, there's gonna be something going on here. And then you never actually really see long shots of takes or footage, you know, shot mm-hmm. from a fr- shot from the side or whatever. Whereas in the prequel documentaries, you saw all of that. <laughs> it was great. George writing the script, mm, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like in longhand. <laughs> You're like, oh, all right, that, yeah. And he's like a first draft, and they're like, ah, oh, Christ, yeah, we're shooting like a week. <laughs> so, but no, no, I think. I mean, the trailer for it really turned me off for the solo film. I just couldn't take any, anything from it. It just looked there was all, it just looked like kind of flashy, too flashy, too. Like I think you said video game earlier when we were talking about it. Oh, man, I was not into it at all. And was it was it Woody Harrelson? Yeah. Man, like, <sighs> which I mean, like he plays good villains, but I mean, like, but, it, I have but it's no kind idea. of Benicio del Toro in in episode eight. It had that vibe to it, right? You yeah. know, he's like, like, why is he here? <laughs> you want to you want to be in our crew? I'm like, man, that that that, that wasn't the kind of backstory you picture Solo having. You no. picture Solo as being on his own for most of the time. Yeah, like you know, you picture him as being a guy who probably had a tough team. This is like never what? with a team of people. No, he he is not that kind of guy. He Apart never from Chewie. Yes, because <laughs> an animal. Yeah, exactly. Hey, because even when, because even when he, even, even when he has a team in the original trilogy, right? He's like, let's put it this way: he's an older, mature guy at that point. He has a team of people around him. He's the outsider. He's a rogue. He does not really. He's you, the pilot. Yeah, and he he'll he get ha- you there. He will happily debate with them, and you know, and not be the the team player you would expect, basically. In Empire, the beginning of Empire, who walks out on them because he has a bounty <laughs> on his head. Yeah. All right? Are you telling me that what oh it becomes like a this really I don't know um We're gonna get to see him get hurt. Yeah, and it, I, <laughs> Sorry, we're sorry. Sick. There's there's something amazing going on outside my window. Uh keep doing it. <laughs> Okay. Church dan- is getting <laughs> yeah. Someone was dancing in front of a floodlight shined on a church, and it was very weird. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's gone. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm probably going to go and see it. <laughs> no, I'll see it for sure. But but I'm, I just I, don't care anymore. No, yeah. I really don't. I'm not excited. I'm not expecting anything. But, but do you know what's coming out in June, the month after all that shit show in May? Yeah. There's The Incredibles too. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm so happy. Wait. Fourteen years after the first one. Yep. Man, that's that's, that's a good amount of time. And same yep. director and same writer. Same cast, I assume. Oh yeah. I don't think anyone's dead. Nope. <laughs> Craig man. T. Nelson's still chugging. Yeah, man. I'm so happy Brad Bird's doing that. Yep. Man. Uh, <sighs> it, like obviously it can't live up to the original, but it's gonna be a great time. What, what I love about The Incredibles though is that when it came out, I'll tell you what. One of little tidbits about my, my film past is that when it came out, I did not see it in theaters, Incredibles. I, I didn't like the idea of it because all the films before that had been non-human right. movies, right? So you had toys, you had fish, you had bugs, whatever, you know, you had cars. cars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, and I, for me, I just didn't like the idea of them doing a human story. I just didn't think it would work. And then I remember a couple of years later, like it was on TV, on cable or whatever, and I started watching it, and I was like, man, I was so wrong. I couldn't believe how wrong I'd been. And I remember I was watching it being like, 
To do a superhero parody movie and make it so timeless and not unbelievably just cringy and awkward and cliched. And they take the piss out of all those things. But at the same time, man, how good are those characters? How good does it look? How good is the score? How good is everything about it? Even the villain, right? Uh, I can't remember his name. What's his name? Uh, I don't remember his name. You know the, the guy with the ginger hair? Yeah, I, I know who he is. I, I just don't remember his name. It's like on the tip of my tongue. It's like in... Start with an N? It starts. With, it ends with a Zoe or something. <laughs> yeah. Neo Cortex. That's <laughs> oh, Crashman. Yeah. yeah. But 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 him as a character should be. He shouldn't work as well as it does. But he's perfect for it. You know, he's absolutely perfect for it. It's on the foreshadowing and everything. The only the only thing that's kind of weird is Simon O. Jackson, <laughs> which is totally pointless. Yeah. And I, I I imagine he'll be back in this one. Syndrome. Syndrome. <laughs> yes. Jason J, uh, Jason Lee. Yeah, nice. no, cool. Uh, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. And, and Pixar, you know, they, Coco is great. And I, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. The week later, Jurassic World 2. I think that might be my guilty pleasure. I mean, I've, of course it will be your guilty pleasure. <laughs> no I've one's been, surprised by that. I've been, the first one I hated, or the, sorry, the Jurassic World. But this, the second one, I've been looking a lot too much into it. But the trailer but, looked but the, terrible. It looked fun to me. I, from what I wanted to see, I just wanted to see them do something different with the story, because Jurassic World was still them going but, to the park. Something bad happens, and they all leave. But it doesn't seem to be anything like the concept that they set up at the end of the first one, or what everyone thought the second one was going to be about. Well, it's never going to be like those movies. No, 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 no. But I mean, I, I mean, Jurassic World. They set up, and then everyone told us what the story was going to be. The second one, and this trailer looks nothing like that. It looks like just kind of a, a running away from stuff movie. Yeah. Like Mad Max, but with dinosaurs. Well, no, so I can tell you. So apparently the concept, that's all at the very beginning of the movie. <laughs> That'd be so, sweet. <laughs> so the, the volcano's going to go off. Um, that Claire girl and Chris... Pratt. Pratt. I was going to say Pine. So they run some Save the Dinosaur organization now. Why is she still involved? Why is she not in prison? <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what jurisdiction would put her in prison. Anyway, Whatever the government is of Thingy Island. So remember that, in The Lost World how Hammond had Site B as a preservation park? So I guess it's still under those. <laughs> Can the raptors ride motorbikes yet? Yeah. <laughs> so apparently they're trying to save a volcano is going to go off. So they try to save all the dinosaurs. I think that's a good idea to take them off of the island. But it looks like there's just going to be a shit ton of dinosaurs. And it's a horror director. So... <laughs> it'll yeah, be dumb but yeah. i hope it's more entertaining jurassic world 2 there'll be a shit ton of dinosaurs <laughs> yeah. that's all i want and i don't want to see the dinosaurs i saw before and, and you know there's you know there'll be another, less impressive you know there'll be one after this as well oh so, man it made so much money i can't even so imagine much money. and the one i said this again because i know we talked about this when we talked about jurassic world when it came out but the one good thing about jurassic world was was i was in the movie theater with my uh, partner at the time there was like three kids sitting like you know a couple of seats down from us and they were well into it and i was like man as long as they go home and watch jurassic park well they've already watched it before then cool then something good came of this but with this one i don't think it's even i don't know like, it doesn't even look like it's aimed at kids <laughs> not really no <laughs> it looks pretty messy so but then after that comes sicario 2 soldado <laughs> which looks which which i the reason i'm 
into it is because Taylor Sheridan's written it again, the guy who wrote Sicario, but it's not being directed by Villeneuve, no. obviously. I don't actually know who's directing it, but they've gone down the uh, the Rambo franchise route. I don't know if you guys ever watched the original Rambo movies from the 80s. I saw the first one, that's it. But the, the Rambo, and this was classic, this was classic Stallone franchise. Rocky follows a similar pattern, where the first movie is like a really dramatic, serious, you know, Oscar-nominated movie. And then they want to make a franchise out of it. So they're like, right, we're going down the full blown, ridiculous action route Mm -hmm. where we get rid of the one voice of reason, serious character, which was Emily Blunt and bring back Josh Brolin and Benicio Del Toro. And the trailer's like, we're going to war. And he's like, well, uh, how, what kind of wars are going to be? What am I going to be able to do? And he's like, everything. (laughs) That was was like one of those trailers where like, I was like, this is not a necessary uh, sequel. And like, it looks like the first few minutes of it look, look super cheesy and then like they show those action scenes I'm like alright I'm gonna go watch it <laughs> yeah. just him unloading um, just like, him unloading I, that little pistol with his finger yeah, was I so see, bad. I, I see what you're doing I'm sold if this is what, what kind of movie you want to make I'll forget the first one and at least it is being written by Sheridan but the other thing is as well as I'm pretty sure in the trailer there's a, a, a shot where it says part of the Sicario franchise or whatever. So they're um, definitely, they've definitely got a little, like a whole thing in mind for if we, it. If we can get that highway scene for two hours, <laughs> sold. I'm down. Yeah. And it looks like it's going to be that kind of thing, but I, I, I'm actually kind of happy. That's that the way to go. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, if, if they were going to make a sequel, if they were going to try and make it serious, it, it would not have worked. The no. first, the first one was great. I really liked the first one, but I'm glad that it's going down the all out action route. And I kind of like that. They're Emily Blunt was great in the first one. Yeah. But I don't think she's she, necessary for no. the, and, and the I, sequel. And I think these these two guys, they're they're great actors, you know, but they're also they're great action tuba scenery powerhouses when yeah. it comes to this sort of thing. Josh in the even in the first one, he's like smirking to himself throughout the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like it suits his character, but and, yeah. and Del Toro is like unbelievably serious in the first one. Like he couldn't be more serious. But now he's actually achieved the whole thing that like twenty years led up to in the first movie. Yeah. And now he's just like, well, I'm just going to kill some drug lords, man. So I'm totally down. Yeah. And then uh, uh, the summer blockbuster period is going to be good. Because, I mean, uh, I'm not that fussed about Ant-Man 2. I, I quite liked Ant-Man. It was all right. Yeah, like it was I funny. Paul Rudd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was, he's good. It was amusing. And it knew what it was. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad that they chose someone like him to do that role. Yeah. Because otherwise it was... Otherwise it would have been almost too serious. <laughs> I still no, wish we got to see the Edgar Wright version. Yeah, and it's uh, it like we're all we talk about a million times over how over superhero thing we are. It was like a refreshing take on it. Like it yeah. knew how silly it was. It was very and, contained. Like, it was meta. Yeah, I'm like, all right, have fun with this. Yeah, like it was good. very narrow plot line. Yeah, you know? and now he's now it's going to be I don't know. It's like it's like Ant Man two and Wasp isn't it or something. Ant-Man I won't Wasp, see it in theaters, but I'll watch it. But at the end of July is Mission Impossible six. Yes, which it does have. A, does it have a title now? I think it does. Yeah, I can't remember uh, what it was. Fallout. <laughs> of course so and man it looks good yeah it looks good That's a, one of the best trailers of the year and it uh, reminded me of the bond movie deacon the shot skyfall yeah oh, really yeah, that's what that. that trailer reminded me of i, I guess that. it had some had some european aspects to mm-hmm. it um it's in i think a lot of it's in paris right i think there's a lot of the eiffel tower in there yeah well, man well, well we had our uh podcast on the last one rogue legacy What's rogue, it nation? rogue nation rogue nation <laughs> 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 legacy the video game 
It was great. Yeah, we all loved it. And oh. same director, same Christopher writer. Christopher McQuarrie. Yeah. And Christopher McQuarrie, to be fair to him, has made like no films. He made Way of the Gun, which was awful. Yeah, and then made this. And then yeah. made this. And, and he made Jack Reacher, the, the Tom Cruise movie. I'm but, a thousand percent down with this. And uh, what's his face is in it too? Not Is it Superman? No, not Superman. Harvey Cartel. No, Harvey Cartel. Harvey Cavall. Yeah. Yes. Henry. Henry. Henry Cavall. Yeah. He's in it. Who I like. Yeah. So, um, and it's all the usual suspects, like being being Rams. I love being Rams because you know he just doesn't do anything apart from Mission Impossible and probably some TV that we never see. Like network. He's got to be like sixty something now, right? But he's still massive and just like, and he's just like he was in Piranha 3D. Yeah, but you can tell he's just like, man, Ethan. I know you're not going to listen to me, <laughs> but I'm going to wire this up for you because that's what I do. No, <laughs> the, that was a better Bond movie than the last Bond. Oh, big time. Yeah. Like, and and Tom Cruise is obviously making this into yes. that franchise. And Tom Cruise is, what, like 50-something now? He's getting up there. Man, he's still tonk. Like, and, and we've all seen the broken ankle but, yeah. shot. So cringy. And which you see it in the trailer. And what, what I was saying this to Phil earlier... Uh, what I love about it is that they got the shot. Mm-hmm. That that was it. That's the shot. It survived. It was you know. If imagine if they, something had happened where they couldn't use that shot, yeah. he would have been pissed. He wouldn't be able to do it again. No, but I mean, YouTube. And if you haven't seen it, and you're not too uh, squeamish. Oh man. Yeah, he's a little Graham Norton show YouTube clip of yeah. him talking about it too. It's good. Yeah, wow. they go into excruciating detail. Yeah, about the movies too, they repeat it way too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like some really random close yeah. up that shouldn't be there. It's like why. <laughs> It's like how many ways can we try to kill Tom Cruise? But I'm pretty keen, and then and then we get into kind of the final part of the year where there's a lot of films we don't know about yet, for sure. But what we do know about there's the there's the Predator sequel slash whatever being made by Shane Black, which I'm intrigued by. Uh, I guess Shane but, Black really made me happy with nice guys. Yeah, and I love Shane Black, and he yeah, was, he's awesome. He's obviously in the original Predator, but uh, I don't know. I don't know how to feel. Yeah, about I don't know. It. Yeah, hasn't had a good movie since the. The Donald, um, no, not Donald. Um, nice guys. No, who's in, uh, who's in Predator Two? Is it? It is Donald, isn't it? Uh, no. What's his name? Oh yeah, um, not Donald. Uh, Danny Glover. Danny Glover. Yes. I always get them mixed up. Using me, yeah. Danny Glover is in. And um, <laughs> my God. what? The guy with the uh, huge teeth, and he's like insane. <laughs> God damn Ricky it. Moore. <laughs> Anyways, continue. Bill Paxton as well, isn't it, I think, in the second one. And then, apparently there's a Robin Hood movie coming out. Don't know what the hell that's about. Did uh, they not have Bill Paxton in the in Memoriam? Maybe he died last year. I think he did. Gary Busey, I was thinking of. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I think he died in 2016, man. Who did? Bill Paxton. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think. Oh, sorry, what? Bill, I, and I just said, did they not have Bill Paxton in the in Oh, no, he died uh, right before the last Oscars, and he was in that reel. Yeah. Right, right, right. Or like, someone yeah. said it after the reel, because it was so. It was like two oh, days before. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was right before it, right, yeah. yeah. And then there's the um, Andy Serkis Jungle Book movie, Mowgli, which I'm is... I'm interested. The cast is insane. Yeah. You know, it's like Bale, and, and Bale's playing Baloo, I think, which is really? kind of cool anyway. Um, but, yeah, I mean... It'll look amazing. That's all we know. It will. And I, is Circus in it? Is he playing someone? I would imagine. That'd be a waste if he's not. <laughs> I mean, like King Louis, like right there. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But uh, I, yeah, I'm not sure how that's going to be. It's obviously going to have a very different tone to the Disney version. 
I would think. I hope it's just fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Super Andy Circus is blue, and Christian oh. Bale is Bajira. Cool. Okay, and the next one is Robin Hood. Yeah, I don't know why they're making uh, another one. Is it a Disney or is this? I, like, I honestly don't know. <laughs> who's making? Can you look it up? Ladies and gentlemen, this is a list that Nick put together. So I'm going <laughs> to try to figure this out on the spot. Who is releasing Robin Hood, Robin Hood in September 2018? Wow, this sounds like the. I don't know any. Taron Edgerton, who I'm assuming is the other guy's brother. Jamie Foxx is in it. What? As Little John. <laughs> okay, let's stop talking about this. No, I want to know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so they're doing a Halloween remake. Which yeah. is coming the same day as Mowgli, but, which makes sense if it's late October. I don't really know what else you can do with that movie. I think they're just trying to keep the... Uh, yeah. trademark alive it's and it's also one of those things that of why they remake horror movies or have a million sequels of horror movies is that their budget is like what 10 15 million yeah and but that for nothing but their audience and is gonna be the teens yeah, those like, goddamn teens yeah totally so they'll always make their money back yeah it's a halloween date movie through and through yeah. we're uh, saying the remake of halloween is it a remake yeah or is it a sequel is it Carpenter? it's no. um it's not carpenter jamie lee is back I'm pretty sure. Jamie Lee Curtis. Whoa, really? Yeah, which makes no sense if you've seen the Halloween franchise. (laughs) Then I'm pretty sure. I might have just made that up in my head, but I'm pretty sure. Let me look it up. Nick, did you look into anything about this Robin Hood movie? No, it just came up on a thing, and okay, I saw that Jamie so Foxx is in it. We just, I'm, yeah, we IMDb'd it. And, uh, yeah, look, Laurie Strode, first image from Halloween 2018. She's back. Makes no sense. <laughs> it's written by Danny McBride. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm kind of down. This is weird. These two movies are weird. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, like I, I love the original mythology with, with Laurie Strode, so I'm, I'm kind of interested, I guess, but I don't know how that's going to play out. I have no idea. I don't think it's going to make anyone's top 10, 20 lists no. at the end of the year. Creed 2... Creed was great. I don't know. It was. Uh, I really liked that. Same movie, director. Uh, good question. Let me see. Right, right. Stallone Who, will be Stallone will be there in What's the his background. Coogler, the same guy who did uh, Black Panther. Director so, is Stephen K. Paul Jr. Okay, for this one. I don't know if he made the first one. No, the guy who did Black Panther. Ivan. <laughs> doing Ivan there's, Drago. There's a headline here on screen. Ran Ivan Drago's son could ruin Creed oh, Two. Oh my god. <laughs> Like everyone's so son. Yeah. This is like the reverse of my dad could beat up your dad. <laughs> my son could beat up your son. Oh, sorry. <laughs> my son could beat up. <laughs> Florian Montenu to play Ivan Drago's. Oh my god. I didn't even know that was a story. That's hilarious. I must break you. Like he has four lines in the original Rocky Four, and then some lines in Russian. <laughs> Man. Why are they. So, anyway, so now you've got Rocky's son, Creed's son, and Ivan Drago's son. What about Mr. T? Let's bring his son back in. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I can't imagine Clubber Lang having a son. Like, I don't know. I can imagine him having some stereotypical illegitimate children. 
who from his many women that he no doubt had. Man, that's I don't know. I like Michael B. Jordan though. Um, man, is something Dolph's going to be in it? Are they? Are they, is Ivan Drago going to be in there, like chilling with Rocky, like is is his friend now or something? I don't know. I'm sure there'll be some cameo. There has to be. Yeah, he's still so unbelievably big in real life, Dolph. I imagine there's some steroids involved in that, but man, he's uh, he's still a pretty packed dude. So yeah, Creed two, and and then at Christmas, there's definitely going to be some other stuff that comes out in that time. No idea, but at Christmas we get um, Mary Poppins a sequel. Oh. With it, Emily Blunt? It looks weird. I saw a trailer for it yesterday. Oh, is there a trailer? Is there a trailer? Yeah. Oh. Ooh, really? No, no. It's like a preview, but oh. you get a sense of the tone. It's, it looks weird. I mean, I think it's good I, casting, but I, I have no idea about I, anything else about it. I don't get the idea it's going to be a happy-go-lucky. I just can't see Emily Blunt playing that sort of role. I can. I don't know. I mean, it's good choice casting-wise. I'm not going to see it, but I mean, like... Yeah, they were like, who's young, I, who's young and English and attractive and... But who's this a, movie a for? I don't know. It's asking for the sequel to Mary Poppins. To, like, I mean, I grew up watching it. And no, but you could have done like a sequel. Or sorry, sorry, a remake. Yeah, but I'm glad they didn't do a remake for once. I'm actually glad they did a sequel. Yeah. Why would you need to make remake? How could you remake Mary Poppins? It would be massively I'll, inferior. I'll put in the camp of but where do you like, take Beauty it? and the Beast. Like, I mean, like, it could just be like yeah, more song and dance. And like that barely, that movie barely has a story anyway. So, I mean... No. She comes, some stuff happens, and she yeah. leaves again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Having taught some moral lesson, I guess. Like, I don't know. Not really. Yeah. As someone was saying, the most interesting part, I can't remember who it was. I don't remember if it was one of you guys or, or a girl I was dating. Could be anyone. <laughs> but, <laughs> but someone made a really interesting point about something you totally gloss over as a kid from the original Mary Poppins. This is totally off track. But it's the, it's the whole women's suffrage thing is going on, which is what the mum is about. Uh, that's her whole character because she used to come in like waving stuff and shouting slogans whereas like an eight-year-old or whatever like as a four-year-old i was like i don't know what the fuck what uh, and then you realize that later on it's all about women getting the vote and stuff mm-hmm. and oh. i'm like i'm like cool that's actually like a pretty political deep thing for a disney movie of any kind interesting granted it was in the 60s so they didn't really have the same kind of uh, tied down nature that they do now but. yeah and then bohemian rhapsody the long production, yeah. messy Queen movie, which originally was going to be Sasha Baron Cohen, and it would have been awesome, and, and it would have been the real life Freddie Mercury. And then Brian May and Roger Taylor, the boring, boring, <laughs> boring bastards that they are, just came in and were like, oh, image and money, and like, I hate them so much. They wanted it to be a more of a family-friendly kind of movie, and... Uh, who who did they cast in the end? It's, Rem, it's, Remy Malek. It's good casting. Yeah, but that's the thing is that because there is that clip that like behind the scenes clip that like came out of him mm. uh, redoing like the Live Aid show or whatever, yeah. and it's like, yeah, like there's a side by side that's like spot. Yeah, on. don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not I'm not really worried and, about his casting. What I'm worried about is that Brian Singer was directing eighty yeah. percent of this and thing. They have they announced who's taking it over? We don't even know. Uh, <laughs> was it just hiatus? Wait a minute, let me let me type because it was almost done as far as. I knew. Yeah, because the only reason I've included it is because it still technically has the release date. Um, That's just a movie. Uh, While well, you look it up, like uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is an upcoming biographical film. Directors, <laughs> it's got three directors. <laughs> it's got Brian Singer, Tom Hooper, and Dexter Fletcher. 
I don't know who those. I don't know who Dexter Fletcher Tom is. Tom Hooper sounds That's a great familiar. Name. <laughs> I'm um, Dexter Fletcher. Anyways, uh, <laughs> Dexter, yeah, isn't that <laughs> really important characters? <laughs> okay, Brian Singer exit. Here we go. Dexter Fletcher was announced as Singer's replacement in December 2017. The film has resumed. The article is the film seems to have resumed filming in and around London after replacing. Who the hell is Dexter Fletcher? Like, wait a minute. Dexter oh, he's an old dude to be fair great it's definitely a movie i'm like i'm a huge queen fan he's an actor primarily his direction consists of eddie the he made eddie the eagle which came out earlier this year oh, oh, 2016 sorry no i never saw it and he made a couple of other films he's an actor predominantly he's in kick-ass and numerous other things he's, oh. in, he's in layer cake i mean i hope it's good queen dessert like that's such a wild story they need a good movie too. I already feel though. Like oh wait a minute! It's up. it's the guy from Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. Which the guy? You know the you know the four main guys. Yeah. He's I can't remember his name. It might be Soap. He's the chef in Lockstock. The short guy. The guy with the kind of curly hair, the like oh, very short curly whoa. hair. He's like uh, he's. Oh, I don't know. He's like he's he's the guy that has the line. Um, he's in Band of this Brothers. Is, this is turning into a bad day in Bosnia. <laughs> yeah, he's in Layer Cake uh, oh, and a bunch right. of other things. Yeah, that's fucking weird. What? All right, I don't. He's in Band of Brothers. Yeah. I don't know. Kills this, it in Band of Brothers. I don't know what this means for the movie, but well, because because I imagine because he's a British director, he made Eddie the Eagle, right? Mm. So I imagine they were like, who can we bring in? Who can again, like Ron Howard? who can just see this through to the end in a normal way without, you know, like touching up some children yeah. on set, then, you know, that kind of thing's always beneficial. Jeez. So, Jeez. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but, I'm uh, sorry. But I don't know. Is, is that like libelous? Technically, I imagine it probably is. I retract that previous statement. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> but Brian Singer... But anyways, I hope this movie's off. well done because I love Queen and... I'm assuming that at least the like the shows and it'll like because it has the band's approval, it'll have all the songs, which will be super dope. But I just like it's as we've said a million times. I just really wish it went into like all Freddie's like dark stuff because yeah. he has um, Sasha and Fincher. Had, like, uh, that would have been amazing. Was yeah. he tied to that yes. originally? Jesus, it man because it would have been all his time in like Berlin <laughs> and, all, and he's had the craziest life. Yeah, man, all that time where he was re- just recording random stuff with people, doing drugs with random people, having sex with random people. But I mean, but some of them were very well known, and he had a really interesting last two or three years mm-hmm. where he spent a lot of time in Germany and in mainland Europe, partying mainly, and and basically living the Keith Moon life uh, life cycle, which was, and Keith Moon didn't survive it either, where you kind of move away from the music and it's hard to get you back into it because you're just having a fucking good time. And the rest of your band are like, man, you're like killing yourself. Mm. And obviously for The Who and Queen, it's a different kind of story because Keith Moon was a drummer, whereas Freddie was Freddie mm. fucking yeah. Mercury. And he just done Live Aid and, and everything else. And then it went from Live Aid to him being dead like six years later. And in that time period, it's like, man, he went from being like one of the, like, one of the fittest looking guys on earth. He always looked great. To being this kind of wasted, I mean, he had AIDS, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, at that, at that, at that just before period where if you had AIDS, it was like you, you died like a month later after it was diagnosed, and people were like, oh, man, it's tragic. Yeah. But I, I hope they at least explore some of that. I hope so. I hope it doesn't just end on a high note at Live Aid. Uh, I've got a feeling it might do. Yeah, we because um, we don't know what the time frame is, really, apart from that scene. I remember reading somewhere that it ends 
on a high, I think, with one of those. It might even be Live Aid. It might even be the build-up to that. That's, that's but, interesting. But that was the revival of Queen. Queen, that's we, Queen were dead when Live they Aid They had, like, happened. a lot of flop albums and stuff. Yeah, yeah. They, I, mean, I mean, a lot of their albums are pretty average anyway. They're, they got a lot of great singles, granted. Mm. But their early albums are okay. But they... Queen were the only band at Live Aid, which is a really interesting fact about Live Aid anyway. They were one of the only bands to take it seriously. And they said... No, Geldof and everyone was like, we want you to play, obviously. And they came back and said, we will only play if we have 25 minutes and we get the primetime slot, which was like 6 p.m. in the UK. Mm-hmm. 6 p.m. in the UK and probably like 10 a.m. in America, I guess. Like, whatever. It was mainly the UK they were worried about. And every other band turned up in like jeans and were like, yeah, like, da da like dad rock kind of thing. The Who were woefully under-rehearsed. You know, like even the only other band that took it really seriously were U2 because they were had only just come out at that point right and queen came on and you knew in uh, man like when you when you watch that footage chills yeah it's it's incredible because they, they they knew exactly what they were doing they came out and they played it like they did any other set they were wearing all white and they did everything else and my god is it like just phenomenal the way they control the crowd during that oh yeah and i really and obviously it looks like they've captured that here which is good so yeah. that's the one saving grace from this is that i hope that's the case yeah, man. I mean, Brian Singer's gone on the ground now, and I don't know if he's going to resurface. But nothing's been formally bought against him, which is interesting. It's all rumor, mm-hmm. so it's all kind of uh, shady. But he's another. Obviously, we we touched on it at the beginning, part of the whole Weinstein scandal. Well, that he's part of the other scandal that still everyone talks about, but no one's come forward with the kids thing. Yep. That's what he's part of. Yeah, it's it's way worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's the other guy involved in that who he worked with? Uh, someone quite... Re- you know the name, but... It's all rumors, though. It, like, we know. But, like, <sighs> that's the whole thing is that, like, we probably shouldn't speak to it until... No. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if, I mean if we get sued, I'd, I'd actually be kind of, like, impressed. And <laughs> yeah. no, I'm just saying, like, I mean, it's no, all... No, I agree, I agree. We shouldn't talk about it. But, but I mean, as Cat Williams said in one of his bits once, you know, if when people say the same thing about you for 20 years, you know, if someone says, if someone says you've been smoking crack for 20 years, you're smoking crack. <laughs> this is a similar kind of thing to it. And he was talking about Michael Jackson uh-huh. when, he, when he talked about that, which I suppose is quite relevant here. But, you know, there's that that whole... And I suppose we've kind of come full circle here as to what we're ending on. But that whole aspect of Hollywood has just been crazy in the last... And it's one of those things where it, did, it didn't surprise me. Not really. No, I don't like, think it surprised anyone, but it's just like... But the, and it's also a thing of, like, that it took this long. Mm, the fact that it all came out at once was hard-hitting. And, the, uh, like, when Spacey came out, the, the immediate... Because he was the first... Weinstein was like, right, he's a fat producer who was obvious. It was obvious... <laughs> you look like and there's been rumors forever yeah and it was obvious that women had that he'd forced women or coerced women into doing sexual favors for him in order to get roles but Spacey was the one where again I mean I mean him being gay was the most open secret in Hollywood but the fact that Netflix was so quick to just scrub him out of that thing they just were like nope that's it and that's one of the TV things obviously that's coming up this year that's going to be completely different you see the trailer for the, the teaser, the very uh, very teasy teasings, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, man, I wonder how they've written them out. I don't know. Yeah, I mean uh, that show has great writers, so I mean, yeah, and we'll actors, see. so I'll but, watch. It's the last one, and it's like 10, 10 13 episodes. Oh, I'm gonna watch it. Totally fine. I'm gonna smash it. Yep. <laughs> cool. Well, I think that gives us a good place to round off. Um, 
this if you're listening to this it's probably up on soundcloud which is where you can usually find our releases uh, soundcloud.com slash the punch up podcast and i is it the punch up podcast or is it punch up podcast it's one or the other search both <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's another reason i think we actually needed to do this was because we want to get our money's worth like i think we need to do at least two or three a year <laughs> to make to make it worth the money we pay soundcloud premium but <laughs> uh, yeah uh, we are our good friend nick uh is returning to canada shortly and i don't think he's uh, aware but we're going to try and coerce him onto this podcast at some point uh he's a, a very big movie guy and i hope we get him on soon there's a there's a good amount of stuff coming out that we've just talked about which i'm sure we'll revisit and i and i think i think between us we want to kind of do some special episodes at some point yeah uh you know we did the before trilogy a little while back and hopefully we can talk about something else quite soon the airbud trilogy the airbud franchise there's like eight of them though isn't there i don't know volleyball baseball there's, there's buds he's a cop <laughs> i don't know um is there a weed related one we have a facebook yeah there probably is uh <laughs> <laughs> there's a we've got a facebook page which i don't think has been updated in a long time punch up punch up punch up punch up punch up punch up there's twitter which again hasn't been updated in a long time but just, we'll just keep listening yeah we'll post all that stuff on there uh actually i, I you know i always plug my blog and i'm gonna plug it again iltfilms.wordpress.com but uh, since we last did a podcast i actually started writing for another website uh set the tape.com which is a uk website uh, I've got a ton of articles on there. Please go. Feel free to check them out. I did a scathing review of Star Wars, which my editor was not pleased with. <laughs> <laughs> but I called it, so it got published. Um, yeah, search Nicholas Lay on set the, setthetape.com. My, my articles will come up. But aside from that, I think uh, I think we'll sign it off there, and hopefully it won't be too long before you hear from us again. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you.